I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Supercoach Podcast. You're on again this week with JB and I'm joined by the illustrious Pistol. Hello. How are you doing, JB? I feel like uh, it's been an absolutely mad uh, weekend full of games. Your head must be spinning. My head is spinning, actually. I've called a doctor about it. He doesn't know how to how to treat it, but essentially it is just nonstop spinning. So if I if I have to pause between reading stuff off my screen, it's, it's just because I have to wait to get all the way back around. But um, essentially, there has been so much information, too much information, in, in fact. Um, and what usually is a, a period of crossing players off of our wish list, all I've done is add players to my wish list this preseason. So we have a lot to talk about. So this this podcast is essentially going to be about um, going through each game and just looking at the real super coach relevant players we're hoping to get this in under or i i hope we get in in under an hour and a half i think that would be ideal um but there's just so much to talk about (laughs) there's so much we're going to try our best um and in that spirit i'm going to quickly go through the housekeeping that we have here um so obviously firstly we've got some new patreon signups so thank you very much to wade carpenter bradley pratt nick hunter glenn mc McAuliffe, I'm going to back that, Matthew Billy, Dennis Denuto, Dan Ahern, Jack Mahoff, I don't know about that one, uh, Jezza, Bruce Walker for like the 13th time, stop making new accounts, Bruce, Larry Bird, the great Larry Bird, who yeah, shot he jumped left-handed in. Yep. for a game, um, Miles McNair, John Nicholson, Jaden, Adam Markant, Marchant, Markant. I'm going to go Markant. Um, 
Nathan Custison, Cam McDonald, John Apostolopoulos, Bryce, Guarav Bawa, and Ben Muddy. Great. Welcome. Yeah, a couple of familiar names. Um, good to have you guys back, and thanks for the newcomers as well. It's uh, right time, right before the preseason, that's for sure. But was the familiar name the fam- John Apostopoulos? Uh, no. Was it meant to be? Uh, I just wanted to pronounce it a second time to prove I could do it. Okay. Well, Apostolopoulos. I think I think we're done with the names, but thank you. Uh, I'm going to move on to the Cancer Council to stop JB from talking. Um, thank you to the couple of donations that we got last week. Uh, to Maz, who says, uh, belated payment on the Cancer Council, losing bets. Keep track of them and lump sum them for maximum pain. A payment for a loss to Benny Buzz Boys uh, for my Eagles being, sorry, Eagles defeating Essendon. Unbelievable. That was unbelievable. Um, at least the other bet of Sydney versus West Coast season finish was more enjoyable. Your penalty is yet to be decided. Another one from Maz says, below the payment on Cancer Council losing bets, keep track of them and lump sum for max pain. Payment for an FPL player bet to Matt W. All I've learned so far is everyone should be betting with Maz. Um, <laughs> the next donation, uh, thanks for a very generous donation from Kayla Yilmaz. There's a lot of Mazes um, mm, in here, but thank you very much for your generous donation. No comments. Um, and Gibbo for being the worst team in Slackers Dynasty NFL. Whoa, League. he hasn't even written that. You've just gone off the cuff there. That's not very nice. It's, it's definitely not off the cuff. But um, we are, yeah, it looks like 125, 115, some would say, dollars short of the 25K mark now. Um for some reason, I thought we hit that last season, so I'm not sure what's going on. But still, very close, which is awesome, JB. Thanks, everyone, for your generous donations. You're welcome. Um, having said that, we're, we're going to jump straight into the games. I, I genuinely think we can get this done in less than an hour and a half, so stop waffling, Pistol. Okay. Um, we're going to dive straight into the first game, which is your team defeating Hawthorne Collingwood versus Hawks. Um, a close game. First of all, I just want to put some context into the games. I know this is actually adding to the runtime yep. rather than taking away, but I want to put a bit of context into it. So a very close game, a one-goal game. Um, do you think the, the, the closeness of this game is going to be reflective of what we see during the season? Um, just just to put a little bit of context on it, or like where, where do you see these teams? How far do you see them apart on the ladder? Um, do we think maybe one of the teams over or underperformed? Yeah, far. Far apart from each other on the ladder. One one down the bottom and one up top. And I, I'm not going to say which one. Um, <laughs> no, look, the way that the match worked was Collingwood would run away from it and then Hawthorne would try and like fight back and then Collingwood would run away from it and then Hawthorne would fight back. And it was kind of, I, I think Collingwood, they weren't like playing with their opponents. They were more like once they got farther, you know, in front, they decided, oh, we can like, trial things, some test things, let's see see what we can do. And then Hawks would kind of come back. And it, it wasn't really putting, you know, pedal to the metal 100% um, all the way down. So I think, yeah, it, it was a fun high-scoring game. And I do expect that from Collingwood throughout the year. And I think Hawthorne will have high-scoring games, but it just might be their opponents uh, kicking the high scores, JB. <laughs> mm, yes, I, that, this is why I asked, because I think it actually is important as to what how the game script went and how we expect it to go. So I don't expect Hawthorne to be this um, competitive yeah. against the better teams. However, they only got one ton for the match, um, which I also don't expect to continue. I expect there to be obviously a much higher ratio of players getting better scores, but... 
Um, they did have a few players that only played low time and ground, which obviously affected the higher ends as well, which is important to remember. Um, so that they can use extra players and those players coming in and getting 30, 40, 50% and, you know, 30 to 20 to 30 points essentially does affect how the top end scale as well. Um, but James Warple is the highest scorer for Hawthorne. He scored 101 Supercoach with his 30 touches. Just the one tackle, which surprised me a bit, um, did hit the scoreboard for one behind. But 624 metres gained and 17 contested disposals, uh, I think is probably are the two things that stand out for me. How do you see Warple? He's about 300K. If he has this role all year, and we're talking, I think he was third in their CPAs. Um, I'm not quite sure, but he was top four. Yeah. Um, do you see him being a player that makes us the appropriate amount of money to start him? Yeah, so their midfield mix was Newcomb is clearly the number one man. Um, he yep. had majority of the, the CBAs. Uh, interestingly enough, we had Cam McKenzie as their second, I guess, big mid. Um, and then it fell kind of to a, a pretty much perfect split between Warple and Will Day as the other two. And then they kind of had some rotational players like Josh Ward and, and uh, C-Mac on McDonald, you know, Connor Nash kind of coming in to the side. I think we also need to consider that Finn McGuinness tagged um, Nick Dacos, but Dacos stayed out of the midfield. So therefore Finn McGuinness stayed out of the midfield. Um, and yep. it, potentially if there was, you know, a midfielder he was tagging, maybe Finn McGuinness eats up some more of those CBAs as well. So in terms of midfield sort of split, this might be what I'm, I would consider maybe not in the high, maybe on the higher end for Warple, but it'll be roughly what he received. But he looked outstanding this week, completely different than how he, you know, looked in the previous week. I still have concerns over his um, efficiency. Um, he really was booting the ball long at nearly every time that he could. Um, 63% disposal efficiency for the game. But when you get 17 contested possessions and nine clearances, doesn't matter as much. Um, you're going to score bulk points. Uh, I think, JB, I had a green flag in that his price at 309k makes him... Um, I'd say a very, it's, a, it's a very realistic target of him making 150K. Um, my, my red flag would be that I don't really see how he could have a better game pretty much than you know 30 touches, 17 contested possessions, nine clearances. Like That's a massive game. And this was a tight game for Hawks as well, which they probably get blown out of the water um, more often than not throughout the season. So if this is a tight game and he's done that well, you know, is this kind of on that upper echelon of his scoring for the rest of the season? Well, I'm not quite sure. So he averages 4.3 tackles over his career and he only got the one in this yep. game. So I think that likely is a place that we can see um, that will improve as the season starts. Um, but you're right. In terms of the meters gained, contested disposals, clearances, it's all pretty top draw stuff. He only had five clangers, two of which were free kicks. Um, does the behind count as a clanger? Not or? a clanger, just not in, no. not effective. Yeah. So so only three live ball clangers, which I think is interesting as well. I would imagine his numbers there might increase as the season goes, but would that that's obviously just guessing. Um, I, I just think it's interesting because he's not the type of guy who spreads and gets bulk marks. Um, he only had the two this game, so I don't really see that budging. But he does seem like the type of guy who could pepper the 25 to 30 disposal mark, um, increase the tackling, tackling a little bit, and then just circumstantially go between 80 and 110 like most weeks. Um, I, I, I actually see that for him. I think having the CBA role, 
um, and having it without O'Meara or Tom Mitchell sort of pushing him out to, you know, majority half forward or wherever he's playing, um, I think he's really good for his floor and, and that is what will essentially propel him to to make the coins this year. So um, Warpool actually found his way into my team oh. after this match. So um, I, I'm, I'm not – he's not f- completely entirely locked in Keith thrown away, but um, I enjoyed the role a lot. Role if he good. gets that in the first yeah. month, then I think he's definitely, definitely capable of making the money. The role, the role's good. I, I just keep in mind his disposal efficiency can – reduce his floor considerably like he he could mm. have you know a, 50, a game in the 50s or 60s purely because he just can't hit a target the whole day and what they did in the previous week was they got frustrated with him missing targets and they played him forward for the second half in this fourth quarter he played majority forward but I don't think it was out of frustration I think it was just giving other people a go um sort of in the midfield but it, it's on the cards. That, that is also scope to improve the score. He played majority forward in the last quarter and yeah. only had 67%. But he's not the number if, one if mid. Of those so that he, no, not, you wouldn't expect one, him to but... be getting four quarters, CBAs. Even though he was dominating, they still put him forward. I, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm not, I think he's fine and he'll do the job. I just wouldn't be thinking yeah, this is like a... Yeah, he's premium. He it's he not a slam dunk pick. Yeah, 110. Yeah, I agree. Um, Cam McKenzie's the next guy. I don't think we really need to have Slam a dunk discussion. <laughs> yeah, 99 Supercoach, 73 time on ground. Um, that That's, I mean, CBAs, play. just great. He had CBAs. He was incredible. Um, James Sicily played more of a lockdown role. He had 96 Supercoach, um, 10 marks in his 26 disposals. Took a few of the kickouts as well, which was a big tick, but shared not them many, with a couple of other many, players. Yeah. Um, I, I think mostly with Sicily, you look at the TOG, 93%. So this is a full game scenario for him. Um, I, and I think 96 is probably about where we expect him to pepper or we, we expect that to at least be the floor that he peppers um, in games. I, I don't like that he was playing as a, as a tall defender in this game. I mean, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I, I thought Sicily was terrible outside of one quarter. I thought he was really bad. Um, he had a 52-point quarter. Um, in the third, I believe, and but is that really abnormal to what he? No, us that's last that's year? that's the thing, right? Like he can be yeah. bad and still score ninety six, and you're like, man, he just doesn't have a bad super coach scoring week because he can just be terrible and then still end up nearly tunning up, which I think is a positive in that it doesn't kind of matter where he gets thrown or what happens in the game; he just finds ways to get around a ton and like that's usually a midfielder type thing that you know the good mids will find ways to score but he's got that kind of ability as a defender and I think that in itself is really appealing he might not be the greatest value selection but you you know you're going to get a really safe selection if you want to pay up for him and I, I think there's kind of value in the safety if that makes sense. Uh Hawthorne do have a really good start to the season in terms of super coach points um potential so i do i do like the pick if you want to get a an early flash in the pan oh my god everyone's going to panic to get this guy in in, in four weeks time because of their start and but he didn't move forward I, no i don't think he will be <laughs> yeah, moving forward, no forward either, time. But, just um i personally do see him as someone who will um just appear to us at like i don't know 580k at some point um, so, so expensive for a defender <laughs> i know but he's 625k oh, no. now so I, i'm just oh. saying i think there's discount to be had I, I don't think he in terms of value i don't think he ticks that box at the very least um, yeah. which a lot of people are going for this season 
Uh, now I'm going to skip down the list a little bit here. Um, you might want to pull me back at some point, but yep. Will Day is the next one here that I, I wanted to talk about. Um, 88 Supercoach, you did mention him as being the next CBA midfielder behind James Warple. Mm-hmm. Um, 20 disposals, five marks, two tackles. His frame just does not look like it's capable of, of dominating a midfield yet. But in just 68% time on ground, 88 Supercoach, that's enough. Like if he does that for the season, which he's not going to just pepper that exact number for the season, but um, if he does get around that, then he, he's close to making his money. But at the very least, he, he has that strikes that balance between providing points and not quite enough money, but also not being a, a guilt-free, like, un, like pseudo premium that you have to hold on to and, yeah. and sort of don't want to upgrade. So I think he really could play that role, but um, I don't see him doing an 88 most weeks. I, I see him having a much lower floor than that. I, I think it's a, a massive trap pick personally he needs to make that 150k he needs to just average I think a touch over 90 and he's going to be way too inconsistent to do that I don't think he's going to have the ceiling like have you know those like 130 plus games and I do think he has the floor to go in the 50s um, if he just has a terrible game so for those reasons um, if he's not going to make you the unlikely to make you the money and not have that strong of an average uh, I think it's a a, a dead pick it's just kind of filling a spot in people's teams because they don't know what else to do with it but it's not it's not one I would recommend. Now, we wanted to talk about good Supercoach and Dream Team ratios. Fergus Green, 84 Supercoach from 67 Dream Team. He had the eight disposals, five of which were marks, five of which were converted into goal or scoring opportunities, at least three goals, two by the end of the match. Um, he had 81% tog. He is absolutely going to be in their best 22. Um, he's starting in their forward line. How would you describe him? He's not He's not a tall forward. He's not Gunston. a Ben King. <laughs> um, yeah, well, Gunston is a perfect description. He's that medium player who plays tall but can sort of handle himself at ground level. I don't expect him to get a lot of, you know, crumbing, snapping goals or anything, but um, he's not like a – he's not a truck either. So um, I think he has the potential to make his money – Easy, like he'll he'll get spike games and and he'll make his money easy. He's one that we're locking away. Yeah, he's he's actually really good. Like at both games in the match sim last week, just him leading from the forward fifty a bit up the ground and then taking the chess mark. Um, he would do that a couple of times a game, and that that's good for super coach points marking on the lead. So he is very capable, um, and I, I, I believe he's probably the strongest forward bench rookie option we have. Yeah, I think so as well. We're going to talk about, one, talk about another one who's probably as strong, but maybe might be best utilized in the midfield. But um, he just kind of reminds me of like a smaller Jacob Kajitsky. And we know how well he was in how well he did in his first year um, with a couple of spike scores as well. And I just think they they try to feed those guys. So I think he's a really easy pick. Um, now, lastly, Henry Hustwaite only played the thirty three percent tog. I think a lot of people were kind of had the expectation that he might be best 22 as well. Um, I think based on what we've seen, it's unlikely. There's a year away. Yeah. At least. Um, that's going to do me with Hawthorne. Dylan Did you Moore. Anyone else? Yeah, Dylan Moore. Um, only played right, the first right. half and scored 70 super coach in the first half. He that's is right. the hottest first quarter starter as from last year in the AFL. Um, I think maybe the hottest halftime. I'm not sure about that one, but definitely was first quarter and did it again. He just kicks goals for fun in the first half of games and scores really well. That's He didn't get any midfield time. If people are selecting him with that um, in mind, that's not what's going to be happening. He's still playing that half forward role. Is just incredibly good. 
he's like underratedly incredibly good footballer. Um, so yeah, that's that's all there is there. I would don't is, think it's, is he going to start putting it into a second half and being relevant or not <laughs> not quite yet. I, I think Hawthorne will struggle too much this season to, you know, for him to be fed enough to score really well. I think if we were looking at you know a top eight side, I would consider selecting him, but. You know, looking at a bottom four side, most likely, I don't think he's a, an option, but he's definitely a, a good draft option. Right. For Collingwood, we're going to start with Tom Mitchell. He scored 101 Supercoach with 28 disposals, mm-hmm. 20 of which were handballs. Uh, he had four marks, five tackles, 16 contested possessions. He played well, I guess, but like, how much better do we expect him to do? He only just snuck over the ton. This was pretty much as best game I could expect from Tom Mitchell. And I was really pleased as a Collingwood player. Played his role to absolute perfection. 28 touches, 107 metres gained, which is not much. 16 contested possessions. What he was doing was he would get the contested position, as we would expect, shovel out that handball, as we would expect, to the running Dugowie so many times, or Crisp, or Adams, or whoever was around him. And they would do the running, and he would just kind of get it out there. And... That will very much limit his outside um, game. And with a limited outside game, I think this sort of 101 mark is probably what he's going to average for the season. And I don't think that's enough value to select him. I think that's like you know 30K. Uh, he's, he has probably 30K of value in him, which I don't think is enough when a lot of midfielders have, I think, a little bit more. And he's not going to become a top-end primo. So um, not here nor there, but definitely played his role really well and excited me as a, a Collingwood spider. I think the five tackles is what people were looking to tick off as to whether he was still tackling well and getting the disposals. Um, He did tick the tackling box, but as you said, um, we're we're looking at someone who's going to pepper the ton and, you know, his his high scores I think are going to go from 140 to 115 and we're just going to see somebody averages about 100, 105. So um, absolutely not a selection in my opinion. Darcy Cameron split the ruck time 50-50 with Mason Cox. Not even, not even 50-50. Was it less? 30, it 37 and a half CBA percent. Oh, so about 60-40. Yeah, it's not, um, not good. He had 97 super coach though, 11 kicks, no handballs. Loves a kick <laughs> of the footy. Um, 18 hitouts, didn't kick a goal. I think this was a super positive game in terms of can we start Darcy Cameron? I thought the the answer to that before the game was no. Um, I think the answer to that after the game is like circumstantially, you could talk yourself into Darcy Cameron just to start the year. Um, if he's playing a similar role and his floor is still 70, playing about you know, 60, 40, um, then I think he still does what you want him to do. But the problem is, is, is like you have to get in your, get through your head that he's just not going to be a premium option. Like he went from 20% chance to zero. Um, and I think that was a lot of his allure um, before we saw the ruck split. So um, what do you think? Is there is there still scope to start Darcy Cameron? I like to watch these games and when I'm ranking what I'm looking for in the games, it's eye test number one, you know, how they're looking, how they're playing, how they're moving, role number two, and then the third most important thing is super coach points. Like it's not that important. And when I see a guy that's not the number one ruck, it doesn't really matter that he scored 97 to me. The role's just not there for him to be a selection for me and my side, but he played very well. So I test wise definitely passed. And that makes me think in the future, it is possible that Cox could be displaced from Collingwood's best 22. And if that were to happen, I would happily jump on Cameron. I just don't think I can start him 
you know, while Cox is still named. If Cox isn't named round one, I will start Cameron. I always shudder and, and sort of flinch a little bit when you say his surname, <laughs> um, just just with your history. Nick Dacos, the next one, he scored 72 Supercoach with only 58 dreams here, by the way, good ratio. Um, he had the 17 disposals, five tackles, no marks for the game, um, three contested possessions, just the one clearance. Only had a few CBAs um, and was, as you mentioned, heavily tagged by Phil McGuinness. Now, this is one of the heaviest tags that you can get in the game. And after the match, Sam Mitchell said, you know, get used to it. I agree, Sam Mitchell. I think he should get used to it. But it's not like he performed like, to a point where you absolutely vomit and, and you know, can't possibly have this player in because his floor is 50 with a tag. 72 playing out of defense with a tag is still good enough if the ceiling is good enough. Um, what did you think on Nick Dacos? So essentially they stuck a tag on on him and then said, you figure it out. We're not going to help you structurally. We're not going like, to you know, fling you all over the ground to help you break the tag. You just use this game as a practice game and try and break it. And he couldn't do it. Um, it's as simple as that. He, he's not at that level yet where he's going to be freely able to break tags. Like He's obviously extremely talented, but the tags are going to get him and once... Once he's gotten beaten like this, it puts a, a loud, you know, flashing red flag that, hey, we can sit somebody on him and take him out of the game and, you know, reduce his influence. And he's going to cop it more than almost any other player, I think, in the AFL coming into this season because it's just clearly something he's, you know, needs to get better at. But um, from a super coach perspective, that to me just screams not this year for Dacos, maybe next year with his massive ownership. Um, I'm actually feeling good about his ownership being so big because he's gonna, he is going to get tagged. I mean, he will have those 130-plus games when he's not tagged, but I don't think it's going to make up for the amount of times that he does cop the tag. And to be honest, last week in the midfield, he wasn't as good as I had hoped he would be in the midfield. And whilst he didn't get any midfield time this week, you know, his role is still going to be changed week by week. So whether or not he's being tagged, like last week he wasn't being tagged and then had a lot of wing time, some half forward, a lot of the CBAs, a lot of the back. It's just too much going on in the Pies midfield for me to feel have any confidence in him as a selection at this stage of the year. Yeah, I tend to agree. I, I had Dacos for a hefty part of the preseason um, prior to the practice matches, but the more you talk about a tag, the more you look into his tagged games last season, um, the more it's evident that at the very least you're going to get him close to the low 500s anyway. Um, due to the tags. And, and if he's damaging you that much as a non-owner, um, I think it's only a matter of time before you can you can just do the sideways and, and sort of upgrade to him at a cheap price anyway. So um, I think that pretty much summarizes Collingwood. I don't really have anyone else to talk about here. I, I think we can have DPP watches on some of the midfielders because we were using so many through the midfield. Um, there's, you know, sneaky chances that some of these guys might, you know, just happen to get DPP throughout the year. So... Um, yeah, I guess that's a more wait and see, not something we need to worry about for round one. Hmm, it's weird that you brought it up now then. Um, we're going to go into the next game. It's <laughs> Do you want me to expand that, JB? No, I don't, We have to keep an eye out on the I DPP incoming. I didn't want you to say it in the first we place, have let alone expand. Certain amount of forward slots. Fremantle versus <laughs> Port Adelaide was the next match as yep. Fremantle defeated Port Adelaide. 
Um, I don't think we need to add extra context into this one. Fremantle are a good side. Um, I think Port Adelaide were a little bit experimental, but this isn't far off of what we expect to see during the season anyway. Maybe not by that margin, but um, I think we expect Fremantle to be good this year. Um, so we're going to start with Fremantle and Sean Darcy, 127 Supercoach points, 38 hitouts, took the absolute you-know-what out of the Port Adelaide Ruckman uh, Lysette and to a certain extent Tickle, but mostly Lysette. Um, 127 Supercoach points is mammoth. Is he on your radar? Is he in your team? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's in my team. Um, <laughs> not, I'm not in love with the pick, but I think he's the best of a bad bunch at this stage. I mean, you can argue a couple other rucks as well, but to be honest, when you watch him play, you just sometimes think that like, there's going to be games where he's just so much better than the opposition ruckman that even if he doesn't do that much around the ground, he's just going to score so many points from the hitouts because he's just such a big boy. And that was pretty much a case like Lysa just got monstered and then they tried to use Tico and he got monstered at Darcy's just feasting. I know Jackson didn't play, so we're not going to see that ruck split. But again, it just makes me think with that early Fremantle draw, that's that's quite generous and um, you know Jackson coming back from injury. Darcy's probably going to get off to a hot start and if that's the case, I'd rather be on than, than off. Um, so that's basically in a nutshell. And... Um yeah, the, the the week before the the split was like seventy thirty or something yeah. like that or, or something crazy. It was it's still very good for Darcy, um, who's also in my team. I just love his ceiling. I think last year, um, I know this is obviously part of his issue is is that he was like very niggly and he had a, a knee that he just couldn't get over all season. And Meek when he played was like for some reason their first rock over Darcy. I just don't see those things happening this year. I think he's clearly ahead of Jackson in in terms of rucks. Um, I think there are times where Jackson might suit a ruckman better, and maybe Darcy plays a little less ruck in those games. But um, realistically, I think he, his big is going to be real big. Yeah. Um, so I like him as much as any other ruckman. Going to move on to Nat Five, ninety super coach points, fifteen disposals, three goals. Now the concerning thing for me is he had three goals too, so five scoring shots. He also handled or kicked a couple off to teammates, had a couple of score assists. 90 super coach points for that type of output. That's a good game for a forward. Um, and Fife's a good player, but I, I don't see where... Like, does he get 20 touches and five goals now to, to sort of get to the 120 mark? Is that is that what we need from Fife now? I, I just... I don't think he did enough for me at his price. They say, all right, he has to be in my team. I think it's... I'm trying not to overthink this one. I think it's as simple as he's 316K. He needs 85-odd to make 150K, and he's probably capable of doing that. So he's not like a sexy pick in any sort of way. I don't think he's going to be... I'm, I'm quite sure he's not going to be a keeper. I'm quite sure he's not going to exceed expectations. He's just going to do exactly what we expect and make you the money and then get out of your team, and that's all that I'm expecting from the kick. doesn't make him a bad pick. Just It's not a very exciting one. Sam Sturt scored 80 from eight disposals, which is a very good ratio. He had a couple of goals and 100% disposal efficiency. Um, he's one that probably looks to start the year, but I think um, a few people have concerns over Frederick, who should be returning before long. And they've they've got someone else. I know O'Driscoll's on the sideline as well right now, um, but I think they've got another forward who is on the sidelines as well. So 
Um, essentially, how many games can we see from Sturt? Is he is he just going to play himself in again, um, or is he someone who's going to be in and out too often to start? I like picking people that have had years in the AFL system, and Sturt being in his third year is, I think, a good sign. And we know he can score well in Supercoach. I think he had he started with a ton um, in his first game, and then he backed it up with a terrible score, and then a good score, and then a terrible score, or something like that, and then didn't play again for memory. But um, he has enough of a ceiling as a rookie that he can make money. It's just about that job security. And as you said, he can play himself in. And with Fremantle's, uh, I guess, decent early draw, it could very much well be a case of, well, he only gets six games, but he makes 150 k in those six games, and that's all we need him for in the first place. Yeah, I'm also, I think there's a, a good enough options outside of Sturt that you don't need to take the risk, but I completely understand why. And like you said, those extra years in the system do tend to help a player, especially with their body and their longevity as the season um, sort of, or as the game goes on a game-by-game game basis, and also getting out four quarters. Um, Hayden Young's the next guy. He scored 79 from 19 disposals. He's now had two opportunities without Luke Ryan to show that he's that guy, um, and I don't think he's even showed a glimpse of it, to be honest, no. at this stage. Um, so it's impossible to start him from my perspective, but I still wouldn't be surprised to see him improve to a point in which we're considering him later on the season. Yeah, maybe later in the season. I think that's the only case. JB, Andrew Brayshaw had 36 touches but also had nine clangers. Um, has he been on your radar at all this preseason? Oh, I did skip past him. Um, no, not for me. I, I don't understand. Like, I think it's... I think it's just trying to get fancy for the sake of getting fancy is, is picking someone like Andrew Brayshaw. We've clearly seen that he struggles with tags and they've got a good start to the year in terms of fixtures, but generally speaking, it's the bad teams that do the tagging and I, I don't think he has a good start to the year in terms of taggers. I think it's just um, the first game, he's got a bad tag and then it's it, a decent run. It, but who's the first game? Is that West Coast or is it Hawthorne? I, have, it I, ha- I had it open, uh, I just... Accidentally close it. It is St Kilda. Yeah, the win win okay, tag if he's there or Burns or whoever is going to tag in round one. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Well, realistically, that's his issue, and that's why I'm not <laughs> yes. going to start it. Um, essentially, what that, about the nine clangers? Ju- that's not the issue. No, it's not. It's not the main issue. It's no, a it's a no, problem. <laughs> it might be an issue. Yeah, thirty six disposals and a third of them are clangers, but. Um, I think we've got a couple of other guys to just quickly touch on. Um, Liam Henry, 200k forward, scored 75 on a wing. Um, he looks to be pretty comfortable on that wing, but Nathan O'Driscoll, as I said, is not in the team. Um, there's going to be a bit of a shift. I, I don't know exactly what's going to happen with their side. I find it really def- difficult to trust their rookies. Yeah, let's just jump to point. <laughs> oh, you don't want to talk about Liam, Liam Henry? Not, not really. 75. Not really. I think there's also, Matthew point. Johnson, 24% time on ground, so okay. I think we can rule that one out. Okay, Port, Rosie, 111 super coach, 25 disposals, um, played predominantly midfield. He had 92% TOG, 80% uh, CBAs, just ridiculous numbers. Um, it was one of our best. I, I don't think I really need to discuss Connor Rosie, do I? No, I think he's pretty much locked himself into all of our sides. Good, good. Um, Horn Francis uh, got a predominant midfield role again for 70. Um, he had nine clangers. There is no way Horn Francis plays a game this year where he doesn't get like too many clangers to, to like be good enough in Supercoach, I guess. is six, six free kicks against. 
He's just a clanging machine. Whether it's by foot or whether it's by giving away frees or 50-meter penalties, you cannot start this car, this guy, this player, this person, this human. Um, you cannot start him. Right, please, please don't put him into your side. He was leading your CBA. So is, he your, is he your number one CBA mid? No, What's going on? Not. Two weeks Rose in a row. Out. Rose, no, he didn't lead it this, no, this week. Yeah, I think. He, he's been very high CBA. Yeah, yeah. He, he, was, he led it last week and he, I think he was second or third this week. That's crazy. Uh, no, no. It's, it's Rosie and Ollie Wines are the main two. And then it's likely between Boak, Horn Francis, Butters, and like whether Drew's best 22. I don't know. There's a, there's a few other guys that will go through there, but um, I don't expect that third person to get heavy minutes. Um but Wines and Rosie, I think, are pretty safe to get heavy minutes. Okay. Well, talk to me about Bergman. Um, 374K. He, I'm only mentioning him. I know people are like, oh, who? Um, he scored 119 Supercoach points, but it wasn't just his score. He was really good on the eye test the previous week as well. So he's backed up a really good game. Not just that week either. I went and saw the intra-club match, and Bergman was our... If, if Rosie wasn't on the field, it was Bergman was best on ground. Um, he was so, so good, but he occupies a wing. Um, I don't think he has the pedigree to be good enough in Supercoach this year from a, from a wing, um, but He's I been tell you what. three games in a row being really I good. Know. I know, and, and he, he was drafted high. Um, he, he has... He has all the tools, um, but players don't average well for wings. Amon, for example, um, who has been like All-Australian squad or very, very, very cusp All-Australian squad in the last few years, has only really averaged between 90 and 95 in that time. So um, Times I are changing, that, JB. The game's, it, the game's <laughs> shifting, it's more fast-paced, maybe more if spread, was, I don't if know. If he was 60K cheaper, he would be in my side right wow, now. Wow, okay. Yeah. But he's not. He's, um, so he's not in my he's side. He's barely in any teams as well. I think he's definitely someone that – he's a draft pick for sure. He's a keeper draft pick, by the way, um, if you do those. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. But it's a yeah, uh, like bit exciting. Under the radar. A little bit exciting. Um, I can't believe you detoured me for that. You wouldn't talk about Matthew Johnson or no, Liam Henry, but you want to talk about Bergman. Yeah, because it's I, um, the eye test. It's been great. He's been really good. Okay. Well, Zach Butters didn't pass the eye <laughs> test. Uh, he looked like someone coming back from a bit of a niggle injury. Oh, God. Played a lot of forward. Didn't play a lot of CBA. Can't 67 super coach points. How How is anyone starting this nah, pick? Let's move um, on. <laughs> Don't even need to finish the sentence. <laughs> okay. Um, what sort of podcast is this? Are we just like well, we got, are we just giving okay, yes or no five minutes answer in. on players? We've got two two games out of nine. I know. Let's get a move I on. know. Okay. Well, Scott Lysette also um, do not start Scott Lysette, please. And why? This one I need explanation for. Oh, now you want to Yeah, talk. because okay. now it's a player that's in a large percentage of sides. Come on. Well, he scored 36 in 60% TOG, um, and he's just not good enough. It's just not a good enough player. No, and there's there's every opportunity for Port to go Finlayson and Tickle combination if we do want to be more mobile, um, and that just means Lysette's just not in the best 22. Is Finlayson like, locked in your best 22? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. I thought so, but he's. Um, I've, I, I've I thought he would be. About it. I thought he would be directly exchanging with Tickle, but there is every chance we don't like what Lysette brings and we want the more versatile, like agile Ruckman. All right. Phil so, Mason in my team. No, kidding. Okay. <laughs> Let's. Uh, injured, any though. other game? Anyone else catch your eye? Francis Evans <sighs> or anything? No, they didn't. Okay. Awesome. Let's move on. That's great. I'd love to. 
Brisbane versus Geelong is the next game. Uh, Brisbane smoking Geelong. We don't need to talk about Josh Dunkley. I'm not even going to mention him. So Lockie good. Neal, <laughs> too good. If you don't have Josh Dunkley, then please tune out. Um, Lockie Neal, 121 super coach. The, I think it's gone underrated that he's like as good as anyone else in the game when he's at his best. Um, I still think he's slightly behind the, the 700K allure of Rory Laird, but... Um, whether you're going for the slightly cheaper Bond or you want to pay up for Lockie Neal, I don't think I can talk anyone off of this pick. He's going to have such a good season. I think he's fantastic. If I was picking three 600K mid guys, he would be that my third one. The third, yeah. yeah. I 100% agree. Um, having a look through, you have to go all the way down to McKenna and Wilmot for the next sort of relevance here. Um, I'm very curious about these guys. So both of them scored, uh, well, they scored 53 and 52 respectively. McKenna outscoring Wilmot there. Um, McKenna had 14 touches. Wilmot had nine. Um, Wilmot occupied more of a wing from what I understand. And McKenna was more out of halfback. Yep. Neither of them really good enough. Um, but I guess Wilmot is because he's only 120K, but McKenna's 170K. Is there, like, are you studying both? One of these guys, neither of these guys? Where do you sit with them? Because the back line, I think, is a bit It's a bit interesting with who plays or how much people are spending on their bench or not spending on their bench. If I had to pick one, I'd probably pick McKenna purely based on the role is better. And I know he had, he had five clangers in this game, so not, you know, I don't, that's, that's quite a lot of. Pl- Clangers. I think usually he could pepper the 60 mark and he still makes his money going 60 at his price. So I, I would pick him if I'm choosing just one of them, but you have to take into account the 30K and for you know that reason, McKenna um, isn't 40. in my team, 40K, and Wilmot is sitting on my bench. I don't think he's a fieldable option. Um, yeah, I think he's sitting in most of our benches and I would stress not to have him on field because that will very significantly impact your scoring potential. Do you think he's a safe best 22 for at no. least the first few weeks? I don't. Really? Because he came into that finals team and he was in their best 15 players of that match. He looked incredible. I think he actually does. I think the fact that they're putting him on a wing, which is not his natural position. Um, but that's where they want much, to use him. I don't think. I, I think do. ideally they use him at halfback though, right? But they not. I mean, they're just enough spots back there. They're, they're still I think, experimenting. Yeah, I think they landed McKenna and that's what sort of forced him onto a yeah. wing. But the fact that they've still made a spot for him sort of speaks to the fact that they obviously rate him and they want him in the best 22. Well, they I think don't have good, good wingers, so that's more of the issue. True. They have like tons still, still running on half forward slash wing and then they're like, oh, it's well, true, we need yeah. another guy. So they're kind of just throwing the bottom end Brisbane players through the wing. I guess it's not as damaging of a like you're not going to be exposed by having that poor of a wing. So easy to hide away someone there. And at least he's got a defensive side already built in. So yeah. he's not going to, yeah. So okay. that's kind of how I see it. Um, over to Geelong. Will Tanner Ashcroft. Bruin. <laughs> no, we don't need to talk about it. Will Ashcroft. Uh, Tanner Lock. Bruin for Geelong, 112 super coach points, 19 disposals. Had sort of a 50-50 role between half forward and midfield. Like we're talking CBAs. Yep. Um, what are your thoughts on Bruin? Because to me, this looks like a... Like fast out the blocks, I've got a lot to prove. I'm at a new club. They've given me this, you know, semi lucrative role. But like, do we see him averaging eighty, eighty five for the whole season to make his money? That that to me seems like it could be a little bit too far. Yeah. So a real head versus heart pick for me for this one. So I watched him last week um, against Hawthorne, 
and thought that he was the BOG. Um, he was. He, he passed the eye test by far. He, both he, matches. He was just so good last week. Like I, I can't really stress how good he was. Um, he was the number one mid for the game for them, and he dominated and looked amazing. So I was watching him this week, thinking, okay, I just need to see that he can somewhat back it up. And whilst they got still slaughtered by by Brisbane, I mean, Bruin is just really good like he passed the eye test again the role isn't great that's the only concern you know 50 50 is not amazing but when he's in there you know he had five clearances and seven tackles yeah, seven lot. tackles is massive it's huge and no wonder he scored 112 like i'm not surprised that his dream team was low and his super coach was really high but the concern is the role um he's just looking amazing and you know he didn't even have a mark so there's still you know, upside there. And what happens in games where Geelong win, which is going to be more often than not, and he's playing half forward, like he's probably kicking goals then. You know, like the ball's going to be around there more often. They just lost this one. So I have him in my side. Um, mostly, you know, he's he was in my side before this game, but I have him in my side. But then I think of what you just said and how likely is it that he goes 85 plus And there is significant risk in that. Like he very well could just go, you know, sub eighty. Like his his floor is really low. Like he could be yeah. a really really bad pick. Um, I I think for me, right now, he's in my side with me. Thinking well, if it doesn't work out, I'll trade him at round two. But I can't. I kind of have to. You know, you kind of have to make a decision on it. Like you're you're either in and trading him round two, or you're in and you're going to the moon with him. Um, it's another pick for the faint hearted. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I find it very interesting because, yeah, the, the it's not just that the role isn't perfect. I think it's still good enough, but it's not perfect. But it's also like he's playing for Geelong, and Geelong are going to be trying to, well, they're going to be trying to go back to back and win another flag. I really think there's there's like no room for error. There's very little room to operate. Um, if he is just not getting it done in that midfield, he can so easily come out. Yeah. Um, and not just for a game, but for a month. Right. Um, and, and I think that's the huge concern is that you re- you're really backing the talent to shine through. And I like Bruin. I think he's a good player, but I don't think he's safe enough to back in for a two-month period or a, a six-week period or four-week period, wherever you think he makes the money. Um, in this side, when they're fully fit and healthy. So I just think that's probably a little too, bit too much of a hard sell for me. Yeah. Um, but I completely understand the pick. and it's hard. I'm not going to talk anyone off of it is what I was going to try and say. Sorry. Yeah, no, I think it's just hard because you know he feels like the most talented midfielder that they have now. Like you you look at um, Holmes and Patrick Dangerfield's Bose. pretty decent. Yeah, he's, I mean, he still can't kick super well. I'll say that quietly under my breath, but... Um, but Dangerfield's better. But, but Dangerfield's better, that, but he's, he's aging to, and they need, you know, they'll probably yeah, ramp up Dangerfield for the finals. You know, that's when they get him into form and he kind of is in cruise control before then. And it just feels like now is a time that Geelong need to be investing in that talent, in that that young midfield that they have. And he, Bruin feels like just the best one. So the one that you'd want to invest in the most, at least that's what it looked like to me. Um, I also want to point so out Cam Guthrie, who's not like ancient. He's pretty old. He's he's better than he's better than Bruin as well. He's pretty old though. He still had twenty two touches, five marks, four tackles. Like he, he just had a normal game. He only played sixty seven percent time on ground. Yeah, he's, he's a low so, percentage time on ground. Sort of I game. think Guthrie and Dangerfield are probably their mainstays. They're they're, they're two big dogs. 
Um, otherwise, you have you do have a, a lot of players that can go through there. Parfit, who's on the list, Bruin, um, Atkins. So I think Tom Atkins is definitely going to get more run in there as well. Uh, and then you look at players who didn't play. Uh, people are saying Jack Bowes might get run through there. I think there's just a lot of mouths to feed still in that in that midfield. So, look, don't get me wrong. I do like Tanner, and, and I do think he can do the things, but. Um, I don't think he's as safe as what people are it's definitely not safe. as well. <laughs> um, all right, so who else do we want to talk about here? Tom Stewart scored 91. I don't think there's really much to say there. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't think we can argue that Tom Stewart's a bad pick, but I, I don't think he's a particularly sexy pick. Asava, 49 points, 10 disposals, uh, just three of them marks, one tackle. So he's obviously locked into that back line now that Henry's got an LTI. Um, he's probably going to miss for a month or two. Um I think the rut cover is is now the only thing standing that is like attractive about Asaba because the scoring potential doesn't exist, and when Jack Henry gets back, the job security doesn't exist either. It's hard to it's hard to argue a spot for him in your side when some of these other forward rookies have been like looking really good and, and are cheaper than him and he doesn't look like you can field him, which means you're paying 170k for him to sit on your bench. Um, I agree. I think it's just a ruck cover pick and it might be okay to have, but at the same time, if you have copper ruck injury, you just kind of trade them, don't you? <laughs> yeah. So I don't love it. Let's put it that way. No, I don't love it at all. Um, I, yeah, I just think... It's such a premium to pay for someone who something that might happen, and he's just not gonna he's not gonna make you the money in the meantime. It's not like he has this like win win scenario where he either covers you or he makes the money anyway. Like he's just not doing one of those things, yeah. um, and he might not even do the other. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's a hard sell. That's gonna do me with this game. Did you no. have anyone else you wanted to touch on? Not at all. St Kilda versus Essendon was the next one. A super high scoring affair with a combined thirteen goals between these two teams. Um, we're going to start with Roland Marshall, who's the biggest lock in the game. Everyone who's listening right now who doesn't have Roland Marshall, just go click him into your team. Um, and if you still don't, then go follow me on Twitter. And, you know, that's a win-win for all of us, I guess. <laughs> well, not for the people um, that have to follow you on Twitter. Jack Steele, 17 disposals, 9 tackles. I, I know Ross Lyon is here, and, and he might have this newfound you know, thing that he's doing with, with some of his players. Is one of them to tell Jack Steele just to not get the footy? Look, I don't think playstyle has it has some impacts, but probably not that much. Given Brad Crouch still had thirty four touches, I think Steele just hasn't passed the eye test. It's as simple as he's either not trying, which it could be, or two, he's he's slimmed down, which we can see, um, and he hasn't looked great. So is he if he's not trying in the preseason, he's waiting for round one. Well, then I'm going to get a surprise in round one when he pumps out of one forty and be like. Dang, he really confused me. I should have I should have cottoned on to that. Or he's just going to be terrible for the first couple of weeks. And I'm like, well, I'm glad I didn't pick him because he looked terrible and I didn't fall for it. So um, it's either one of those two ways, JB, but I can't. I don't think I can actively promote somebody who just has not passed the eye test, even though the role is really good and he is getting, you know, 80% plus CBAs for Saints, which is a huge positive. What about Hunter Clark? Did he pass your eye test? He had 24 touches, 15 yeah. contested disposals, which is crazy, but only 50% disposal efficiency. Really butchered the ball around. Only 78 <laughs> super coach points, but I think he has some of the highest potential um, out of all the defensive mid prices. To be honest, it was very different than the previous week where 
I think he, where he looked lost. He couldn't find the ball. Yeah, it was just passing. I felt like he kept being in like no man's land. The ball kept just like passing over him. Um, and then it was the opposite in this game. But they played Bombers, and I think Bombers are not super great either. Um, yeah. It, it, I found this game really hard to read. Just like the windy conditions to the teams that were playing, the matchups. It's just really awkward, and I, I didn't have a great read of it. I keep jumping back to how Hunter Clark looked last week, and that's kind of making me think that he's a non-selection. But the stats, 15 contested possession, is absolutely nothing to be sneezed at. Um, he could yeah. he could definitely be an option. I just, I'm just i not here nor there. Sorry for, for being too close to the fence on this one, JP. I also want to point out Liam Stocker, 19 disposals, 6 marks. I, I don't think he's as good as the Bulldogs guy, who, guys who we'll talk about shortly. But um, if for some reason Crozier doesn't get up for round one or if you're concerned about Liam Jones's role, um, I think Stocker offers a really good alternative. Yeah. The only issue is, is is where does Caulfield come into this side? I think personally he just plays through the VFL and tries to get back into the side via form. Maybe Stocker has bad form, but essentially it's like any other player. We're just backing them in to stay best 22 when they're in there. Um, and I think Stocker gets first crack at that and, and will probably just go 70-plus, like approximately 70, 70-plus. 70 yeah, I, I think the risk I see with Stocker is that he's kind of pushed Ben Patton to play on the wing, but he was really good as a small defender. Well, I thought he was really good, at least, um, you know, in the last couple of years. I thought he was really good at that role. So I don't know if Stocker's going to be better at it than him, but I think there's always risk that they just you know, do a bit of a shuffle and put Patton back. Um, and then, you know, Stocker has to leave the side because of that. But yeah, I don't think it's a super safe selection, but I agree with what you're saying that I think that Bulldog's probably first and then Stocker's a, a final alternative. But how did you how did you rate uh, Philippou in this game? I think that's the main, main talking point for me. Yeah, 15 touches and a goal, 301 metres gain. He was uh, getting up the pitch a little bit, um, five contested possessions. The thing that impressed me is getting through the five clangers and still having a respectable Dream Team Supercoach ratio, um, ratio that is. Um, so five of his 15 touches were clangers. Um, he went at 46% disposal efficiency, but he looks cleaner than that. Um, he had 80% time on ground, so he clearly ran the game out just fine. Um, I think he has the potential to average about 60 and, and has some really nice spike games. Um, so he sort of comes to me as a perfect bench guy if you have that money to sort of spend up and, and sort of secure the role because his job security is rock solid. Um, so if you're looking at potentially Davey at F8 um, with Chesser at M10, whatever, um, I think the potential to get Davey into the midfield and then Philippu over Chesser essentially um, is going to help your job security a thousand times. Um, so I don't know how many other rookies are really appealing. I don't know who else we're going to talk about at this stage, but essentially I think he's worth spending the money for that reason, that little bit of security. Um, and I'll be very surprised if he doesn't find his way to the, the price point required um, at some point, just with some nice spike games. I think he had like a 44 point first half or something like that. And then just yeah. didn't score in Tape the second off, half. Yeah. And that's pretty much what I, you expect from those rookies that play in the forward line when they, they can go big and then just fade out but again they're playing Essendon and it was really windy so I don't blame him for missing kicks and having clangers because of the wind but Bombers are a good matchup for him as well so I find it super hard to read I, I don't love the pick I don't think he's 
I mean, I, my opinion probably differs to you. I don't think he's that good. Um, he's just the job security is really important. And um, I, I definitely rate that and agree with you on that one. But scoring potential, I think, leaves a little bit to, to be desired there. Lastly, Jack Sinclair, 59 supercoach points. Um, did you notice Wangany Miller pinching a little bit of his role? Wangany a Miller lot of his 20, role. 23 disposals, a lot of the kickouts as well. Um, Sinclair didn't play in, play on from a bunch of his kickouts. It really looked like there was going to be some sort of like, oh, by the way, we're not going to play exclusively through this guy. Um, I still think he's got a high potential to be an uber premium this year and still be good, but you cannot look at him and, and see any sort of value in that starting price whatsoever. Is there value in selecting Wangadine Miller as 303k but his midfield only knowing he'll get defensive status after round five? I don't hate it, but you're not selecting someone who's going to be a, a keeper. So the defensive status is like Irrelevant. neither here nor there for me. Yeah. But um, he scored 91 in this game. If he does get the same sort of chunk of kickouts, um, he had five tackles, seven marks. The thing is, I don't see where he goes up from this. A, a 23 disposal, seven mark, five tackle game, 600 meters gained um, is pretty bloody good for a, a sort of young halfback. Um, I'm not sure he keeps that that sort of energy up. I'd rather someone who is getting bulk CBAs like Setterfield or Warpool um, or someone who has like the real flash potential like Callahan um, over like a Wangany Miller, I think. All right, well, talking about Setterfield, uh, yeah. he had 25 touches, six tackles, 14 contested possessions, only went at 60% disposal efficiency, which is not great, but still managed to put up 119 super coach points. How did you see his game? I think he's a good player. I always sort of have thought he was a good player. Um, and I think he was starting to show that at Carlton and then they just became inundated with midfielders and it sort of pushed him out. But not because they wanted to push him out, but just because you got Walsh, you got Cripps, you got Hewitt, you got Cherry, you got so many guys who have recruited to play exclusively midfield. Um, and even then they, they struggled to fit Cherry into that team. So um, Matthew Kennedy is another one. But Setterfield now at the Bombers, um, if he's one of their first rotation CBA midfielders, um, I can absolutely see him making the money. The problem is, is again, you're looking at him versus Warpole, 70K difference for two guys who have similar roles um, and, and similar potential. There's only 40K difference between them. Is it? Yeah. I thought Setterfield was like 370. Nah, 348. They're, they're 40K difference. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's not too bad. I, I, think, I still think the cheaper option... Is preferable, but Setterfield, I, I think, is is a very good option, very very good option. I, I think he will definitely have um, have no issues making his money if he keeps this role. Yeah. Do you think he keeps the role? Yeah, it's a good question. So um, Bombers played with a really tight midfield core. Um, they pretty much just used Shield, Parish, Zeret, Perkins, and Setterfield. Setterfield had the fewest CBAs, but it was just heavily, I guess, spread. Um, throughout them. So the role that he had in this game, I would think he could have this role throughout the season. Um, my, I guess, concern is that it's somewhat, I mean, it's 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 100% role-reliant and, you know, what happens if, you know, form dips, he already doesn't have that many CBAs. What's his other role in the team that he can play? You know, does he get pushed out to the mm. wing and then just play as a pure winger? And then, and then that's yeah. terrible, right? So um, he needs to, just with kind of like Taylor Bruin, it's more he needs to keep playing well um, to keep his spot in the side and be secure. Um, I mean, I guess that's not too different than any mid-pricer and you kind of pay for what you get there. I 
How do you compare him with Warple now 40k difference, like one versus one in the midfield? I guess you can throw Hopper into the mix as well, or any other player at that price point. Like how how well, are you Hopper is them? Hopper is clear. Uh, think? I think yep. every team should have Hopper, okay. uh, like without question. Um, and then I don't know. I, I, I could genuinely, it's so difficult there. It's, I'm going to be defensive on this one, and, and usually I'm not. <laughs> um, but I could not, for the life of me, tell you A, who makes more money out of those two, or B, who, who scores more points this year. I, I just, I have no inkling whatsoever. I think they both have good roles. Um, they're both in teams that are bad enough to keep them in those roles uh, for long enough for them to succeed. Um, and I don't think either team is going to be particularly overly competitive or winning for the for the season. So I don't think there's an edge either way that way either. So um, I don't know who I side with. All right. Well, I'll make a decision. Um, <laughs> I think... Please do. If, I'm if you have for the 40K, I think I would take Setterfield because I just think he's a better player. Um, than Wapple, and if you don't have the 40k, then Wapple. I think it's almost as easy as that. Okay, well, thanks for that. Yeah, um, it's not like a massive, sweat, sweat it's not like a massive difference no. between them, so um, it's fine. ADJ Alan Alwyn Davy Jr. 67 super coach points. I think he's so simply either in your midfield bench or in your forward bench. Yep. Like, no questions asked. Yep, that's you get cool. Um, Darcy Parrish got tagged to a oh, absolute sorry. buggery 54 super coach points he got held to 10 touches zero marks four tackles look it's not great when you get tagged to smithereens in the preseason especially when you're going up in round one uh, up against a tagger um, that's my concern same thing as Nick Dacos right like it works so well that the team see it they go into round one he's got Finn McGuinness likely lining up on him round one and that was enough. He was in my side, and it's enough to scare me out of the side, um, knowing that he got the tag over um, Zach Merritt. So, well, funnily yeah. enough, I still don't know if that's the the ongoing thing. It might not be. I, I yeah. So it just makes me want neither of them. Like yeah. I, I think they're both <laughs> super taggable, and I think it, neither of them are particularly taggable over the other one. And I just want neither of them. Yep. Um, just last, lastly, I did skip over Jai Menzi there, 62 super coach points. He's at a slightly elevated price. Um, he got nine touches, but six tackles. He's just going to be that forward pressure merchant. Um, uh, just being more expensive than Davey makes it pretty easily in Davey's favor, but is Menzi maybe in consideration over Philippu? Oh, yeah, they're about the same and it's, yep. it's, it's not much between them, to be honest. Like you can pick who you prefer. You have, okay, missed, you, have, you, have, you have missed a big name here, though, if you go all the way to the top of the Supercoach charts for the, the Bombers. Right, Jordan Ridley. It's because you started me off on Will Satterfield. Um, 128 Supercoach points. Blames me. How's that? 27 disposals, 12 marks, two tackles. Um, sensational game from Rids. Um, we know that he has this potential. Um, we, we owned him in 2021 when he started off with those huge scores. Um, that was predominantly due to the kickouts. He does still have kickouts, um, just not the vast majority that we saw that season. Um, I think the the I think the issue with this game is that it is perfectly laid for Ridley to do well. Yeah. So the the St Kilda forward line that he was up against was decimated, as we know, is decimated. There's no king. There's no there's no memory. There was no like they've got twelve other guys who could be there who weren't there. So. Um, I think in a normal game against St. Kilda, both teams fully fit. Um, Ridley has way more competition um, in terms of... Accountability. Uh, sort of, yeah. 
yeah, accountability is probably the better word for it um, as to who he's defending for the day. When he plays loose, I have no doubt whatsoever that he has these scores in him, 120 plus, probably most times he plays loose. The issue is, is that so many teams are now going taller and taller, it seems. I don't think he has more than five to eight games where he does that loose role. And that just means that the the other scores, the 70s and 80s and, and low 90s, that just weighs him down so heavily and weighs his price down throughout the season. I just don't think, worst case scenario, if we don't start him and he's the, that guy that you thought he was going to be, you just wait till he versus a team with a big forward line, it, take the little price drop and then sort of get him in at like 540, 550. Like you're not losing much money by not starting Ridley in my opinion. Yeah. I mostly agree with that. I think from my perspective, I I had um, Ridley on my radar coming into this week um, and he's now in my side. So that my perspective on watching him um, from the previous week was whilst he had to be way more accountable um, whenever they Essen switched, which admittedly wasn't as much as I would have liked to have seen, he was the guy that was, you know, basically commanding the switches. And for me, that seems like an important step for him to increase his floor throughout the season if he's just going to get these cheap marks and kicks throughout the season. And I don't know if, I mean, Bombers have talked a big game up about having control of the back line and we haven't seen it eventuate at all. And I don't know if that's still their game plan. But if it is their game plan and they just haven't been good at it, and they're going to stick with it, then that's a big plus um, in terms of Ridley's uh, scoring potential for the future. So I think he might be not amazing value, as you said, JB, and you might be able to pick him up throughout the year at the same price. But if he feels a need in your side, I think there is upside there. And it's a, a little bit on you know relying on matchups. So I haven't yet gone through his fixtures to kind of work out you know, how many teams are going to be playing three talls and how that will impact him, um, which I definitely will do before the season starts. But at the moment, he looks pretty nice at D2. All right. Well, in the meantime, you post those stats to Twitter. Um, I think a lot of people just fall in love with his price rather than him as an actual commodity. Um, and I think it's the same with Dacos and Hayden Young. I think so many people have gotten on that price. They find it impossible to go up and they, they find it too risky to go down. Um, and I think they just stick themselves there and sort of don't move and they end up starting someone who they actually don't love as a starting pick. Not to say that that's your case, Pistol, but I think that's I'm seeing that a lot in teams that are sent to me and I say, okay, so what are your thoughts on Ridley? And they're like, oh, you know, I just love the price point. It's really good. It enables me to get this guy over this guy. And I'm like, well, you don't really want to start someone just because they enable an upgrade elsewhere. Um, you kind of want to believe in the pick, especially if it's a premium and you're paying 500K plus. So um, I can understand saying, oh, I'm starting Callahan over Satterfield just because it upgrades me here. And I'm like, you know what? Fair enough. You know, they're, they're, they're much of much just anyway. They both probably make their money like that. That's okay. So I think um, for like I, your I sanity, depends. if you had no interest in Ridley whatsoever until this game, then probably don't pick him because this game yeah, was windy absolutely and a perfect game for him. So like... All right, do you want yeah. to talk about Draper before we move on? <laughs> Stop. No, please, let's not talk about Draper. Okay, well, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll get into the second half of the matches. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Shortly. Alrighty. Now we're going to move into the next game. It's Sydney Swans versus Carlton. Uh, Sydney taking the win here in convincing fashion. We're going to start with the, the man of the hour, Errol Goulden, someone who you talk about with Ridley if you didn't have him in your plans beforehand, what are you thinking about now? Um, I think a 188 is, is probably warranted in changing some people's <laughs> mindsets. It's enormous. It's not just the 188. Like The way he went about it with 45 possessions and three goals against a team that's probably going to finish in the top eight as well. Like That's absurd. <laughs> It's massive. Like, how, how does he go higher than that? He, he probably won't for many, many years. But um, the role, I think, is the most important part. So 50% CBAs. He had a lot of CBAs the week prior and, and looked brilliant as well. Um, I, I recall him kicking the first couple of goals in that match yeah. in, in very quick fashion from the midfield as well. Um, so, he, look, he he's the type of player that will absolutely explode onto the scene. Um, I'm not sure if this is that time and playing without Callum Mills, I think is, has obviously made him look a lot better yep. now than if he had have played with Callum Mills this game. I think we're probably not looking at a 188 and we're not looking at 50% CBAs. Um, the thing is though, is that he averaged low 90s to, to end the season last year um, in, in a role that still didn't involve CBAs. Now any improvement on that, I think can gear him towards the 100 average. Um, and he can easily be a keeper at such a cheap price. Um, the problem that I have with it is that what if he's not? Um, and and especially what if the intruders just make him irrelevant um, pretty much six weeks into the game? Do you treat him as someone who's made 80K and you sort of jump off of or are you stuck with him all season as someone who might be not quite in the top six but good enough? Like wh- where do you sit with the potential of him just not quite getting to that promised land? That's the the golden question. I think, I mean, this is this is my thought process. I guess I'll just talk it out because this is a big topic. Um, he played this game without Papley and Mills. Papley's important because he was getting about thirty percent CPA uh, to end last season. In like the played last, well with them as well. Yeah, he was really good, and he added something different into the Swans midfield mix. So I came into this game thinking that that's still going to be the case next year, this coming year in that Papley would still get those CBAs and that wouldn't change. But now I've seen Goulden's performances and inclusive of last week where he was phenomenal and I'm like, well, 
maybe they don't need Papley CBAs. And if, if that's the case, you know, he could be up to 40% CBAs without even impacting, like without Mills touching him, you know. So there's already scope there for mm. improvement without Mills getting kicked out of that midfield. Um, and yeah. I, I think Mills... Like he, Mills can play anywhere, right? And he can play anywhere very well. So it's not even out well, of the question that he's not kicked out. Like he's not going down to, you know, 10% CBAs, but he could yeah. lose 5%. And Gordon he might could. get an extra 5 And then Gordon's pushing nearly 50% CBAs, which is kind of the role that he has in this game. And we've seen Gordon in his first two games explode with two 130-plus scores. So the ceiling has always been there. And that's because he's such a good ball user, a good decision maker, and clearly he can rack it up. So you put all those in a nice little package and I think, well, I'm either going to be on the train and I'm either going to be riding it with what I believe now is nearly 30% of the competition due to his score and he's either going gangbusters and this is his breakout year, kind of like the Petrarca of the last couple of years and that's a fantastic result. Or the bad result is he's still going to be getting an increase of CBAs naturally because he's exploded this preseason and you wouldn't just put him back down to you know less than 10% CBAs. Like he's going to get some more midfield time based on his performances early and then it's just up to him to perform. And if he's if he with those increased CBAs, if he's still going to go, as he said, kind of in the 90s and no man's land and not a top six, then do you just deal with it at the buy instead and, and trade him out at the buy? And is that the downside? And... Mm. You kind of just weigh up, well, am I going to get this Petrarca fast starter, 105-plus sort of guy, or am I going to get a 90-plus guy? And I guess that's up to each individual person to consider you know, their risk tolerance and if they are happy in their side as a whole, like taking into account all of your players and how many of them you are expecting to trade out you know, if they don't perform. So if you're picking, let's say, I don't know, an LDU, and you're thinking, well, I'll just trade him at the buy if he's bad. And then you've got a Tom Green, and you're like, I'll just trade him at this buy if he's bad. And then you're picking Cunnington, you're like, I'll trade him at this buy. And then if you're picking Goulden as well, it's like one too many players. You can't you can't be trading four players out like that at their buy. Um, you're going to need one of them to be a keeper. So I think if you just structure your side well enough that you're not relying on every player to break out and be amazing, like if you if you l- let yourself have the risk that yeah he can flop and you're comfortable with trading him out, then I think that. It's worthy of you know him being in your starting side. Yeah, I don't really disagree with any of that. I just think um, I think people fall in love with obviously the preseason games a lot. And you said off the rip that you're you're more worried about role than score. And yeah. I think this is a very score driven pile on by the community um, rather than role driven or um, the sort of logical thought process into the role. And although we might come to the same conclusion. Um, I don't think that's the the energy being put into it um, initially. So yeah. um, I think it's very interesting to discuss. I currently don't have him in my side. Um, I don't know if that will change or not. I've I, I definitely toyed with him in my side, um, but I don't think he's an essential pick. And I, and I do see a world in which he still averages 85 to 90 and, and people are sort of left in no man's land. Um, it's just the upside of the pick is is good. Like we do remember those high scores to start his career. Um, we do remember what we saw last year with no CBAs um, and we know that he's eventually going to break out. It's just like when, when is he going to do it? Yep. Um, it could quite easily be this season. So um, definitely one to ponder. I think if you've, if you haven't considered him at all to this point, um, I, I don't think you're doing your 
uh, due diligence, which I can never say. Um, but if you have him in your team and you haven't looked into anything besides his score, I also don't think you've done your due diligence. So I think it's something to look into both sides of the coin. Yeah, I think um, it's very fair. Now, besides <laughs> Golden, it's it's a bit, of, a bit of a boring Sydney team. I think I'm just going to move on. <laughs> it's realistically Lachlan McAndrew. A couple of people stuck him on the bench because he was promised, I guess, some... Uh, ruck time but he I mean he, he was used sparingly he was used very sparingly only 38% yeah. time on ground so I think it's a pretty much a non-selection at this point so um, you know it's uh, no one that you really need to, to look out for I think um, Matt Roberts is a rookie price player he scored 47 but again I like him by the way he looked good but he's not like he's not that guy yeah yet. I mean like, Mills is Mills was out and they, they have Papley out and um, what's his Constanty or off that's his name that I expect to probably come into the side um, as well. So they've they've got Jimmy Wargold. <laughs> I mean, maybe um, they have enough players coming in that I'd be worried about that. So yeah, just just the Golden from the Swans, and I guess that's the fun part for. Sorry, I'm going on a tangent here. Is yeah, please don't watching we're watching uh, the Swans this. games live most weeks. Um, it's fun having a, a potential like superstar player in your team that you get to watch every week. Oh, speaking Life. of potential superstar t- team players that you get to watch every week, Sam Doherty, 34 disposals, 11 marks, four tackles, 716 metres game, which is what he does, 87% tog, 85% Oof. disposal efficiency. It played a good amount of midfield time as well, split them um, not evenly, but um, I think it was like 70-30 in terms of defence midfield. Um, we don't know exactly what that split's going to be, but I don't think we care. I think Doherty threatens to go 115 in either position um, and, and threatens to price people out in either position. So, uh, look, he's actually locked into my team. I've had him for weeks yes. and weeks now. And, <laughs> yeah, th- this this did nothing to deter me, um, by the way. Just, just in case you were wondering, this did absolutely no damage to him in my side whatsoever. I think he's my number one ranked 600k plus defender. I mean, he's in my yeah, side as well. Um, I it's it's put forward a lot of compelling cases. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, I think that's just where we sit with him. We don't really have to sort of zone in on who Sam Doherty is, but um, that's that's sort of our opinion. Um, George Hewitt, 129. No, I, I know this guy isn't really classic relevant, but um, I think he's going to have a really good year uh, in terms why of draft. Not? Like, why? Why is well, he that, that's relevant? the thing. I think it's just because they have got so many midfielders um, that he's just not going to keep on getting this slice of the pie. Like Walsh and Cripps missed this game, um, but genuinely he could be. Like he went one ten uh, plus we, we, last year. We could, well, yeah, we could be looking at him at his buy for sure. But I don't think you could possibly start him. Yeah, the injuries, the, the injuries last year kind of scare me. I mean, he wasn't training, I think, until January from his back issue from last year. Um, but seriously, yeah, draft, he's going to go under the radar because everyone remembers him as, oh, that, remember when he was going to defense? Well, yeah, he's still good and he's, and he's just a midfielder, but he's still good. Um, we don't, we aren't any closer, in my opinion, to knowing he's going to play out of Alex uh, Chincotta and um, Lockie Cowan. I think Alex Chincotta had the better game in terms of statistics, but Cowan is very, very hard at the ball. I think there's depends on really what they want. Yeah. Um, I think Chincotta wins, in my opinion, because he's coming from their VFL system. 
Um, so he's had a little bit more time around the club, uh, whereas uh, Cowan's a, a new draftee. But that that's not to say either will win. I think whoever does win, I think we're safe to put into our team. Um, do you think they kick each other out all year? Uh, in my opinion, I sort of see one locking it down for a, at least a month or so, and then maybe with bad form they get kicked out. But I think it's pretty safe. It's tough because I think Cowan was the more defensively minded player. So he, I wonder if they'll they'll change it up based on opponent, um, which would be a real uh, disaster. I'd be pretty surprised. I think you want to give the kids a, a run. I don't think you want to just have them coming yeah. in. I don't think that helps anyone. It's it's a tough one. I think I'm I'm on the same bandwagon of just picking whichever one's named and hoping for the best. But I wouldn't be surprised if the better one was the one we didn't start with. And he, yeah. you know they just did a swaparoo in the other last two months, and you're like, oh well, I knew this should happen. But what about Is taking there any both? Wait, wow, that's that's what I was going to ask. Ah, well, I asked first, which uh, you know that means you got an answer. Um, I don't like it because I think you're guaranteed one is not going to play. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it feels like more secure. I, yeah, I um, don't like I think it you either. just back the guy who's named and like eventually, if, say it takes six weeks for him to displace the other, he's then a good downgrade target. Like I don't think it's a big deal. Yeah, I, I, I feel like we'll probably should know They've by round two. a full two. season of Zach Williams to, to, um, to have people fill in for. Yeah. Like they don't have anyone else on the list where they're going, oh, actually, maybe we put him in there. It's these two guys. And I think they're going to cover Zach Williams all year. So like just, just get one of them and then probably later on in the season, get the other, I think. All righty. So Oliver Hollins. Uh, yes. You- yeah, 17 disposals, yep. six marks, one tackle, played on a wing. Um, I don't know if he's secure in that role. I don't know if he's going to average well enough as a 166K player. Um, I think he's got a few question marks, Hollands. He, to me, looks really good. I think his outside run, is his endurance as well, just up and down the whole day is really good. Um, I would expect him to, to average around 60, so he should kind of make the money, but he also has that really low floor, so he might, you know, that volatility might mean it takes him a bit longer to get there or quicker, don't know which way it will fall. Um, but he, at the same time, has to also hold out Lockie O'Brien, which I think he is ahead of him to start the season. I don't know how long it will last. So there is question marks over picking an inflated rookie with iffy job security. Um, I, I think he's okay for a bench slot if you're going super, super light in the midfield, but I think I would prefer to look elsewhere. Yeah, I think you summed it up well there. There are like the Phillips and then there's, you know, he's not that far off the Callahan's. Um, obviously Ashcroft you're going to have over him as well McKenzie you're going to have over him like it's just it gets very very crowded in there very quickly so I'm not sure where you squeeze him in but I don't hate the pick Uh, like he's probably he's probably the guy like the Bailey Smith where we just don't pick him he's (laughs) like oh actually this guy's really good Um, but no I think he I think he's just I think I still prefer Philippu over him yeah I would absolutely just the job security there yeah the job security being the main factor um, all right, that's going to do me for this game. Are we going to move on to the next? What are you, are you, are you okay? Are you good? <laughs> Am I okay? Just having a quick uh, look at the list. Sad, not no relevance, even though Zach Williams out. Nah. Okay. All right. I thought I'd ask the question. 
Well, got answered. Um, West Coast <laughs> versus Adelaide was the next one. Uh, Adelaide winning this one by a hefty margin. We're going to start with West Coast. Jinbi in the 56% time on ground looked incredible again. Um, if you don't have him and if you don't have him on field, um, then you're you're a bit of a weirdo, I think, is, is probably the best way to put it. Elliot Yo, 78 super coach points from his 20 disposals, seven marks, three tackles, and a goal. Um, I, I saw a lot of people getting nervous about Elliot Yo on the back of this. Um, only played 67% time on ground, was clearly being rested a little bit or managed a little bit in game. Um, I think that's natural for his second hit out in as many weeks after having so long sort of in and out of the squad or injured. Um, he still was quoted a couple of weeks ago as the fittest he's been in years. Um, I think he's fine. I think I don't think he's going to play 60%. I don't think he's going to be a, a sub-out risk or anything like that. Um, and the fact that we saw what we saw and he's still got a 78 is like I couldn't see it as any more of a positive if I tried. I'm still hot on Yo. I agree. I think he doesn't really need to go all out in the game that they're losing by 10 goals. And it's not—it's a yep. practice game as well. And if this is not worst case, but close to it, and he still puts out a seventy-eight, well, that's going to average out well in his favour. So, I'm—I'm I'm not concerned. Uh, Dom Shee, do we have to talk about Dom Shee? Seventy-three don't super think coach, he's as good as the other no midfield no, I options. Think far I worse. think far worse. Okay, well, I mean, yep. I'm not, I think he's far surprised. worse than Setterfield in terms of scoring potential. Um, and I think his role in scoring potential is close to Warpool, but he's more expensive. So I think that's probably the main points. The, the role is decent. I mean, he had the second most CBAs for West Coast, but they did get smashed in the midfield, so it's a bit hard to judge. I, yeah, because I don't he got love the second most it. CBAs for West Coast. He's, gonna, he's going to make... He will make 150K. I'm quite confident in that. I just don't... I, yeah. I, I kind of feel the same way about Fife, like... It's not a sexy peak. He'll just do the job. I don't expect him to do much better than the job. Whereas I think Warple and Setterfield have potential to do at least better than the job. Um, I think he'll be a successful peak. It's just it's, yeah, it's it's just like a, a pretty bland one. Are we overlooking Oscar Allen? Uh, obviously, they lost by 10 goals, which is kind of what we expect to happen yeah. here or there during the season. Um, but he still had eight disposals, five marks, and four shots at goal for a 52. Um, if his conversion is better than one goal three, then you know all of a sudden he's sneaking up to money-making territory. It does appear that he has spike games in yeah. him. Um, is he just a more expensive Ben King? Is he a, like Sheasel's just a better pick for cheaper? Where, where do we see it? Because... I don't have him. I haven't considered him hard, um, but I see a few teams floating with him. Yeah, I considered him actually. He was in coming into the weekend. He was actually at my F6 spot. Um, he. So the reason I was considering him is I think he's better than Ben King. I think just more years, I guess, in the system and, and well, not injury, coming back from an injury. And he, I think he's just, a, I think he's a really good player, to, to put it bluntly. Um, my issue is West Coast draw after round one is like really hard and I'm and I'm struggling to think where he's going to get that spike game from early on. Um, I don't love playing, yeah, GWS, um, Fremantle, Melbourne in round four when the price change and then Geelong in round five, Port Adelaide in round six. So I guess it's the first easy game. Um, round seven. Wait, what? <laughs> round seven. Uh, Carlton, they're just, and you know, that's he's going to cop weedering. It, it's just like not a great, draw for him to pick a spike game. I feel like if I'm picking him, he's going to end up peaking around the bye, which is fine, but I also don't really want to field him if he's not scoring super well. 
So, yeah, I'm here nor there on that pick. I, how how do you rate him versus Sheasel, though? Because Sheasel, at the same time, can fade, fade in and out of games. Um, yeah, so, all right, this is why I think it's easy. So We just saw Sheasel start well for North Melbourne um, in a game that they lost by 10 goals to the Bulldogs. Yeah, um, but then you get positive and, scaling. Sorry? If you start well in a game that's a blowout, you get, get positive scaling. Okay, so it started well, but not well enough to get start cashing in on positive scaling to an extent. But essentially, we saw him have a bad third quarter, um, a very quiet third quarter, and then he got moved back behind the ball. Um, yeah. Not because I think he gets thrown around too much, but because he had a bad third quarter. Um, I think that's a positive. I think if he's having a quiet game, Clarko's just going to do what he can to get him involved. I think he wants Sheasel getting as many reps around the footy as possible this year. I think they want to really fast track his progress, make sure he's he's ticking along at all times. And if that means he has a quiet quarter up forward and they move him down back, I think that is an absolute positive. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one, but I think it's a worthwhile discussion. It was, but now it's done. <laughs> um, Campbell Chesser, only the nine <sighs> disposals, 61% time on ground. Um, looked very sub-risky, manage type of not quite at the level, which is surprising because we saw good things against Port. Um, but this is like absolute grim worst-case scenario against Adelaide. I mean, it's not like they've got this huge depth of really good, talented players to come in. Like he could, Do you think he can survive a poor game? Maybe one. It's not great. It's not great at all. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like it could be worse. Um, I I think if you if you tuck him away and he's your M10, it's probably okay. I'm not sure if M9 would work out too well. I mean, it depends because like, if you've got Davey in your midfield as well, then M9's really just price points putting them that way. Well, um, no, but let's say you had Davey in the forward line. Um, and then your, okay, your literal okay, M10 is Chesser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. The DPP's handy. But anyway, I, I I just think if you have to make way, if someone has to make way, it's clearly Chesser. Yeah, fair enough. I, I can't really answer um, that. Clark and Hewitt didn't get much of a run, so I think we can rule those guys out. We've I got, got go one for you on the West Coast side Gross. that you will not have thought about at all. Um, okay. Probably maybe worth a discussion. Um, Tom Cole. Um, 68 points, 182k super coach. Um, part, I think it's part of that grand final side. He's missed the 2022 season. Um, played 22 games in 21. Wow, that's really confusing. Um, and only averaged 55. But the year before that, in 2020, did average 67. Um, if we're desperate and things on the team sheets in round one look depressing and some players that we're expecting don't get named or whatever it is. Is he an option to consider? We know we're going to get Liam Jones and I think Liam Jones is a better pick. Yeah, okay. And probably McKenna. We're confident we're going to get Crozier um, who's getting over a finger injury but we're confident. Um, McKenna, we know that he's going to be in that first team sheet because that's what they've had all preseason. Yeah. Who I think he's a better pick. Stocker, we think he's likely. Worst case, Caulfield gets in over Stocker for some strange reason. I think he's better. I just think there are so many options ahead of Cole. Maybe in another year, um, he's that guy. But yeah, like, it's true. Goats probably also gets named, and we don't love his scoring potential, and we won't start him. But 
Like they're not even that far apart, those two. So there's a world in like, which Cole it just gets the 150k for the owners that pick him, and it's a non-sexy pick as well. Yeah, and it, that's we just overlooked it, and that's what it is. But at least it's worth just mentioning if someone is running Yo at D1, um, which those there are madmen that are doing that, and they need players to fill out their backline. Well, there's one for you. <laughs> um, we're going to jump into the Crows. Rory Laird, 151 Supercoach. Like, genuinely, no doubt that he's going to do bad things this year. Like. Bad, bad things. And by that, for the non-millennials, uh, you mean good things. Yeah, but like <laughs> dirty things, the horrible, dirty things. And for the non-millennials, he means very good things. Yeah. Excellent. That's what I, that, that's tran- what I said. I'm a translator, yeah. Um, so, I mean, if you were worried about his price tag, just, just don't be. Um, I think he's absolutely a brilliant selection and I think underrated, under-owned and maybe even under... Oh, God, I can't think of another under. You're so lucky, Pistol, because okay, that was going to be really funny. Um, Jordan Dawson, 105 super coach points, 26 disposals, 10 marks. Um, I don't think we saw anything new from Jordan Dawson. I think he's just he's just him. He's a 600K defender with like subpar value um, comparatively here and just he's going to do the things. Comparatively to the other defenders, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to disagree. Like I sit on it how I felt a couple of weeks ago that he's – Upside best is like 114 average, but that's what Sicily averaged last year anyway. So if I'm paying up for that price, I want to take someone who's better value um, in Doherty or Stewart or whatever, or just pay for Sicily. That's what I would prefer. Yep, fair enough. Um, who else do we really talk about? I don't know um, McAllen got a, a run as well, 79 cents hog, but only 38 points. Um, I don't know a lot about him, but um, played in defense. Uh, I just don't think he's an option. It doesn't look like he's got the the no. scoring potential. No, no. Probably not even the job security. I, I think Peddler scored fifty six and the, and kicked the goal. Nice rolls bad, and he's too expensive. Um, otherwise, there's honestly no one here. There's people that pass the eye test, but I just don't think they're going to be great super coach options. And I'm talking about, I guess. For, for West Coast, it was Liam Duggan, and for at Crows, it was Sam Berry. They both like, yeah, both weeks have looked really good, and it just hasn't naturally translated into like really good super coach scores. I guess they could both be breakout. I think I'd feel comfortable in draft with them rather than classic. Yeah, that's fair enough. I think that's it. Yeah, fair enough. Um, all right, we're going to move on to the next game. It's GWS versus Gold Coast. We've got three games remaining, so thank you if you're still holding on for dear life or if you're doing this in a two-part session, which I'd highly recommend. <laughs> um, first, we're going to start with GWS. Um, Josh Kelly, Tom Green. This will be a long Lachlan one. Ash, Finn Callahan, Lockie Whitfield, Stephen Cornelio. Um, Was this the two-part session, just GWS? Yeah, they're, they're all in my team. Oh, my Talk God. About it. Did you just name <laughs> no, like eight not. players in your team? They're not all in my team. Um, and Madden. Right, this, is, this, this is going to take a while, so I'm going to go through the easy ones first. Tom Green... We can absolutely lock into our sides. Like, if you already have Tom Green or thinking about Tom Green, he's only shown you positive things to be able to lock him into your side. Uh, I can't. True or false? It's just, it's just in. He's been in the since team picker, and he's not moved. Canelio, we we might have to have a little bit of a discussion here, but he scored eighty five supercoach points in sixty one percent time of ground. Um, he was on track to be their first or second CBA midfielder, which is perfect. Um, didn't really go forward at all. Um, 24 disposals, had a bit of a knee knock, more so described as a corky now. Um, will be good to play round one. 
what discussion do we need to have here? I think so. The discussion I've had in general about Canelio is that out of all of the other premium forwards, he provides the worst value out of them. But that's not to say that he himself isn't value, which I do think he is. Um, so it might just be worth going a bit deeper in the forward line to take advantage of as much value as possible, and that would include taking Canelio. I mean, honestly, it's it's hard to say anything too bad about him. He's got this fantastic run as all the Giants do in the first six weeks. Um, it's going to be very scary as a non-owner. Um, I'm still on the fence. He's been out of my side for like the last week and a half, but he could definitely end up in there before the season starts. It's just uh, I think you see him miss last week and you get a little bit you know, anxious and then you see a knee knock this week and you're like, oh no, is he old and he's been injury prone? Is he going to make it through the season? Is this just bad luck? Um, and those are all the thoughts running through your mind. But at the end of the day, he still scored 85 points in 61% time on ground. If you were going to extrapolate that for the game, I'm sure he would have turned up and didn't get out of second gear. So that's a, that's a scary proposition um, regardless. Yeah, look, he hasn't left my team. Um, I'm pretty confident having Canelia in there and they have a very good run to start the season. Um, There's a lot of players to, to talk, talk about. about. Um, I, I guess, can we get Lockie Whitford out of the way? Yep. He scored 86, played a predominantly or exclusively halfback role, which is great. Um, but he's midfield only. He's priced at 450k. Um, he didn't. He looked good early, but um, he just he doesn't have quite the the kicking that he had or that he displayed earlier in his career when he was a super uber. Um, so I think there's still just enough risk that he's not going to be that guy. Um, to just warrant not starting him in your side, uh, I think would be so risky to start him in your side. Yeah, there's a lot of mouths to feed off that half back line for Swans now with Ash and coming down there. I mean, that's you've got. It's just my concern is the ceiling gets a little bit capped when you're you're spreading it between so many good running half back players. So, yeah, for me, it's we'll wait and see how he's going throughout the year, but I, I don't think it's a, a starting selection. No. Um, the next guy I think we should talk about is Finn Callahan. All right, so this is one of the two big ones that we're going to discuss. All right. Um, so he played exclusively on a wing, um, had about zero CBAs. He had twenty-two disposals, six marks, a tackle, two goals. Played out of his skin, ninety percent efficiency, only the one clanger for the match. Um, I'm. Pretty confident he he ticks away and makes his money, um, but not in this fashion. I, I don't think he has this type of consistent ceiling. Um, this seems like a real perfect storm, great circumstance um, type of game. Uh, I don't think GWS are beating many teams by 10 goals either. Um, I just see the wing roll as something that's going to churn out a lot of inconsistent scores. Um, so I think although he does get the money made, I think it's a lot more of a slow burn than what we expected previously. We probably don't want it to be a slow burn with that fixture run to start the year. You're probably hoping he starts hot and makes it very quickly. I, I guess my concern is if you're right and it is a slow burn after the fixture run and it turns and it gets harder for him, that doesn't sound great on paper. No, that doesn't at all. Um, I think a lot of people put him in their sides following this game, I actually found a way to take him out of my side following this performance um, just because of the role. It's purely role dependent. As you said, the points aren't like uber relevant at this point, um, especially in the preseason. And it's great that he can play well on a, on a wing, but the no CBAs is, is real. 
like it's it's not it's not a good sign for what he's going to be producing during the year. And I don't think he he suddenly gets up to twenty thirty percent CBAs for round one after getting none in the preseason. I think talent can often shine through, but it is really hard for a winger to be consistent. And you know, I think he still has to average you know seventy seven odd. Uh, off the top of my head for him to make that 150k and whilst that's in the realms of possibility not many first slash second year sort of players come in and do average that and he had doesn't and and the ones that do don't even do it from a good role and he doesn't have a good role so I'm not I'm not I guess loving the pick as much as I'm seeing him in like every probably what every two and every three teams has him maybe three and every four teams yep. I'm seeing have him and I, I think that might be a little too much for my liking. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Um, I didn't expect that to go there. I, I thought I'd get some more pushback from you there. Um, Josh Kelly, the last player in this um, GWS seems to talk about, there's only one or there's, two. There's a more that we'll be talking talk about. about, don't worry. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Um, okay, well, he's my last guy that I want to talk about. So <laughs> just remember, everyone, that it's not me that pushes this on. Yep. 138 supercoach points, uh, 36 disposals, four tackles, um, yada, yada, yada. Josh Kelly did Josh Kelly things. He was their leading CBA getter for the game with 26 out of a potential 35. Um, I, I think uh, it's quite clear that he's in, if he's not their first guy, um, and if that guy is Cornelio slash Tom Green, he's like a close third, the th- second or third. The thing that gets me um, is that they clearly clearly had a four-guy rotation with the three that I've mentioned and Perryman. And then I think um, is O'Halloran, is then yeah. is he is he a player? Um, he was the next guy <laughs> the <player>. who yes. <laughs> um, he was the next guy who got a few but very, very few CBAs as well. Yeah. Um, so it's really it, it seems like a tight four man rotation and that's just incredible for all guys involved because we know that these guys have the pedigree. Tom Green is going to show us this year and um, we hope Canelo has done it in the past. Josh Kelly has done it in the past um, in those roles. Yeah, to keep the long story short, um, you know, I think I'll be I'll be picking Jelly over Oliver for four of the last six years. Um, quite confident in that, unless yeah, I don't think anything's going to happen, and I'm going to get egg on my face for the fourth time in six years um, because of that. It's just the perfect storm of the early fixtures, the CBAs. I mean, Jelly leading the CBAs um, is just mind-blowing given the last two years he's been more of an outside role um so for him to get you know that inside role where we know he's a 115 sort of guy just screams value for me so i'm in i'm in again oh no here we go again jb <laughs> you love doing this. oh do i love it i feel like i'm in so much anguish but i just keep going back to it and then i feel silly and i talk about on the podcast how i've done it again and then people laugh and that's just on my cycle of of my super coach playing of the last half a decade. So who's this mysterious man that you wanted to discuss um, from the Giants there's, side? There's two actually. Um, so, so they're, they're both, I, I think both are options. Is it Ashen coming? Well, yeah. So I love coming in. Oh, uh, uh, Cheetah's definitely not going to edit that out of the podcast. Um, no. Well, I mean. uh, uh, yeah. I will rephrase. Um, Isaac, is very good. He's underrated. Um, 118 super coach points. The reason I'm saying he's underrated is he got some kick-ins stolen from him um, by Himmelberg last season. And Himmelberg has been playing 
pretty much as a you know forward in the in the entirety of this preseason, which means that you have that value, that built-in value um, from coming already. Now I know Whitfield's going to move back, and Ash is going to move back, and that again is the mouse to feed problem. But they also do share it around, and when you're sharing it around, plus you're the guy on kickouts, you know you're still going to be one to excel, and he's priced kind of in that range of those 500k players that we're looking at but he's only in like I think it's in under one percent of teams um and I, I just don't think when you're choosing players in that price range he should be the guy that's in under one percent of teams because there is that natural upside I know people are scared that Himmelberg might move back which obviously might happen at some stage of the year but it also might not happen. And then you've got a guy who's genuinely in contention for the top six. I mean, people forget he was averaging 105 until Himmelberg moved back. So there is a lot of upside in the pick and for him to barely be in any teams is, I guess, a little bit surprising for me, JB. Okay, I I can see that. I can see the upside. It's just, I think it's tough to sell over the guys who are above or below him on price. Um, and and the problem is is uh, we don't really know how Ash and Wheatfield are gonna how they're all three gonna affect each other being in the same defense. I know we saw it to this game as being coming and Ash is gonna score well and Whitfield wasn't, but that could easily switch on on a game by game basis. So um, yeah, I, I find it interesting. It's gonna be something to monitor, but I don't think it's one for our starting sides. Um, Ash as well. I, I can't I can't trust Ash, but sixty nine percent time on ground. For 30 touches and 130 <laughs> super coach points is nuts. And a high, high draft pick. Super high. So the talent's oh, yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we're talking we're, we're talking first couple picks. Like he he now has the role that he probably should have been playing um, of the last couple of years. And he's he's only he's priced in that same midfield price bracket um, as those other mid prices as well. Is there an argument to select him over any of those mid prices in that bracket, knowing that he'll get DPP? I don't think the DPP is really like I don't think that's that should be your allure because like he's not a premium, it's not really gonna affect much. Um it might help you train him out later on down the road. Yeah, but it could be it's not really D six until the buys. He's got the last buy. I guess so, but like that depends on what you're expecting to score. Uh, do we expect hundred and thirty and sixty nine percent time on ground? Yes. I don't think so. Um do we expect eighty plus? Like that's potential for that. Um, yeah, I'm not going to talk anyone off of Ash. I guess how does he compare to Setterfield and Warple is, is probably the better question. I mean, how many GOS yeah, players can we have is maybe a better question than that. It's a, it's a large, I mean, they had 1834 of the pie, which is a very large split that typically I don't think you would have that much of a split. It was a thumping, um, but he doesn't need to go 129 to be a successful pick. You know, he just needs to tick away at 85 plus. Um, well, maybe not. Maybe probably eighty-seven, eighty-eight. Which he, I think it's in the realms of possibility. I mean, there is there is a world in which Ash is the guy instead of Whitfield, you know, and Whitfield peppers the eighty-five range, and and Ash is the one that goes ninety-five. Um, mm. I don't know if that's right now, and that's the world we live in, or if it's in a different multiverse. But um, I, <laughs> you, you need some guts to pick it, but I I, I do think it's viable. Just enough for me. I, I think it's viable. Um, do you have his price there, Ash? Yeah, I think it's like three thirty. Um, I don't. I don't mm, have it it's there. Right in that range, yes, yeah. It's right in that range, though. I think it's very interesting. Um, all right, we're going to move on to Gold Coast. This is getting out of hand. This podcast. We still got two games to go. Um, so Sam Flanders, thirty disposals. This is going to be another one that we're going to have to talk about in length. 
Um, Please. Played half forward. Um, essentially, no CBAs. I think he got six out of the 35 for the match. Um, so that obviously didn't assist his score. A lot of people, I think, worried that because took Miller missed out, it means that this guy was getting all those CBAs. Not the case. Um, to do that from a half forward flank, I think he's super unique and, and very impressive. But I have to wonder about the longevity of him doing so in such a role. 103 Supercoach flat. I know they got flogged, um, and I don't expect them to be on the on the end of, I guess, too many floggings this year. But um, I just find it really hard to quantify. Like this is not a a this is not a role that produces high Supercoach averages, and we need him to go 75 ish, 80. Yeah, I think um, is he averaging eighty from a half forward flank for the Gold Coast with and, and he didn't have a goal this game either. Yeah, with, about with, eighty. You know, someone someone who doesn't score a lot of goals, someone who does rely on disposals, is he doing that? Well, I guess so. If he passes the eye test this week, and he passes the eye test last week, but the roles are bad both weeks, but it's the same role both weeks. So it wasn't like he changed roles either. He did the same thing two weeks in a row. Does that help in the argument of like, can he do it week in, week out? Because he's just done it back-to-back weeks. It does. <laughs> it's t- it's, this is a tough one. It does, it does. <laughs> this but is like, a really I hard one. I think, I think despite him doing it back-to-back in a preseason, in a couple of preseason games, I still don't think it's logical to expect him to do it during the season. I think logic should come through and say that this is a very unlikely outcome and and it sh- and it should result in them him resort like coming back to the mean at some point. But so what what I mean he could obviously not taking into account which I guess is a big thing. Let's let's pretend he's not you know his best team's best player to every week like he has been. What what do you kind of expect him to average in that role? Let's say he's the most talented player in that role. What what do you think he could average? Like 85? 80, 85, yeah. And I guess I'm going to th- just put you on the spot here, I guess. Like how much, what do you think Sheezel as a first-year player is going to average? Uh, 75. And they are approximately 50K difference in price give or take and that yep that's about fifth that's about 10 points a game so is he i guess is he more risky than a than a rookie price cheese i don't know i just kind of i kind of feel similarly about both of those players but i guess in a lot of those cases i, I would tend to pick the cheaper one to, to minimize the risk um but i can't say that it, i can't say i'm off the pick I'm off the pick. <laughs> I think he's my F6 at the moment, but I... Well, I'm not I know he's your F6, but... I, okay, so I'm... The reason I'm on... Like, I'm on a Warpool right now, slash Satterfield, slash actually Lockie Ashton's talking about him, by the way. Um, <laughs> You're on all I'm, of them? I'm, tar- I'm targeting... No, slash. Okay. Not, not as well as. Right. Um, I'm targeting role more than anything. And I, and I think if you put Lockie Ash... Um, Setterfield, Warple, Jack Zebel, Flanders and Callahan all in in a list and say, all right, now rank these in terms of best role through worst role. Yeah. 
the bottom two, I think, are Callahan and Flanders <laughs> <Yeah>. easily. <laughs> Probably. So it's like how can you justify spending extra on them and trusting them to do something that is rarely done? I guess they're the it cheapest just doesn't two seem logical. out of those mid-prices. It's true. And they are the cheapest too. So it, it brings the question forward as to whether you spend up for the better role or whether you back these guys to sort of fight against the norm of, of what we've seen for years and years in Supercoach. I guess you feel a little bit better about the Flanders DPP, but it doesn't really add anything, to be honest. Like, if he was just a forward, like, then that's fine. I guess if he was just a midfielder, you probably wouldn't pick him. Um, but... Uh, it's interesting. I it's, You're going very much on roll, which is great and I do recommend that. Um, I've, I've got like Bruin and Flanders who are both eye test guys. We have very different teams this year. It's going to be an interesting season. Mm, no, I hope so. It's going to be a very interesting season. Like I said, there's a pool of like 40 to 50 players and you can only get so many in. So um, I do look forward to it now. I don't think we have uh, a resolution Jack- on Flanders. It's just kind of... No, we don't. <laughs> just taking what we said and, yeah. and make a decision. Um, Jared Witt's had a, a standard game. I think he's still going under the radar as someone who's probably going to be decent this year. 65% told for 101. Um, I just personally find it easier to, to spend less and get someone with a higher ceiling because I don't think his ceiling matches either English or Darcy. Um now, separately to that, who do we have to talk about? Charlie Constable is just an absolute lock. Um, I don't don't see how I can argue having him in any, uh, no. not in any of your drafts. Yes, it's just um, Ben King. Yeah, Ben King played. He played forty two percent tog. He had twenty nine points. He looked real good. He presented up the field a lot, um, which I really like to see. But um, God, if he's not like a sub risk slash like human injury risk then I don't know what is um, I don't think he's worth the extra money over a Fergus Green or a Davey um, at all yeah, so 50 is a lot pass for me yeah big time like you could you could be spending that to upgrade your Sheasel to your Flanders <laughs> 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 alright let's jump into the next one yeah let's jump into <laughs> the next one um, so it's Bulldogs versus North Melbourne another one with plenty of talking topics as per usual great we're flying <sighs> This is a Liberatore two, two part podcast, I think. You come, might be. come back yeah, next it, week. It, <laughs> it might actually be. Uh, Liberatore, 158 supercoach points, over 30 touches. Um, <laughs> he might benefit from Dunkley as much as anyone, <laughs> yes. to be honest. I was thinking that as well. I saw the scores. Um, I haven't got to, to watch this one on the rewatch yet. But I was look, you think, okay, Bontempelli is going to benefit from... Um, Dunkley leaving and, and McRae is, but we all forget about Liver. <laughs> I mean, Liver just gets more midfield time, I guess. Um, but at the end of the day, last year he did have some of these good games as well. So he may have just played a great game. And don't forget they played North Melbourne, um, who they're not great. They're really not a great side. So there was lots of super coach pie. I was saying that 1843 was a lot of super coach pie. Bulldogs got 1988, which is an extraordinarily amount of Supercoach pie. So That's a lot of pie. Yeah, it's uh, hard, to, hard to read too much into it, but Libba's going to be that 105 guy. Um, he was last year, and I think he will be again. Nice. Bonsipelli, I think... Uh, oh, Bonsipelli is another one. He has not left my team all, game, all preseason. Um, 145 Supercoach. We clearly saw that with Lob in the team. Um, it just frees him up to stay in that midfield. No Dunkley rotations through there. Um, I think he's so, so safe as an option. 
Um, now, how many of these guys do we talk about? Bailey Dale had 124. We spoke about him earlier. Um, I think he he's the type of Isaac Cumming option that could surprise, but um, I just can't justify the price um, when you can just spend up a little bit more for a Doherty or a or a Dawson, um, who I like a lot more than Bailey Dale. But I think he is one that presents as a trading option during the season. How would you rate Dale versus Cumming? I honestly like can't. Okay, <laughs> I think they're like they're pretty much the same player. <laughs> um, well, Dale's like, got genuinely... the tag risk, but less mouths to feed, I guess. Or well, still mouths to feed because of the whole side. I don't know. It's interesting. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, that, that's a really tough one. Um, Jackson McRae, 118. Um, honestly, didn't look super inspiring from what I saw in the game. Um, especially against North Melbourne in a 10-goal win, 118. I, I don't know about Jack McRae. I find him really difficult to assess. I think with McRae, you'd rather get his teammate or Lockie Neal or go down to like a, a Josh Kelly type of, or you know, if you've got faith in Jack Steele type of situation. Um, I really don't think he presents amazing value at his price. I think he's really just priced accurately. Well, a couple notes um, just in general about the, the game, looking at the stats of it, is that there was a lot of, CBAs like compared to yeah. other games and the main rotation was Liberatore, Bontempelli and Bailey Smith but they had a high amount so um, I think there was like 36 odd CBAs and we've got Libba with 27, Bont with 25, Smith with 24 but then McRae had 23, Trelaw had 18 and then no one else had any mm. so they had a very tight five which we just were speaking about a type five, I guess, from, from GWS, or maybe they're the type four. Um, and anyone that's within those CBAs has potential of you know, scoring really well on any given week. So I think the role is not bad for McRae. Um, I just think that then you've got to compare him to you know, Bontempelli at the exact same price and you know, see which one you think's got more upside than taking the fact they'll get the same amount of midfield time. Uh, I think it's clearly, clearly yeah. Bontempelli. Yeah, I, I didn't want to say it, but the, that's just how my I'll my mind it. works is you take all of them at the exact same mid-time and then which one's got the highest upside, I guess. Uh, Oscar Baker, 22 touches, eight marks, dominated. Uh, they said before the game that he wasn't actually in their plans to be best 22, but he played so well, so he's got to be a consideration. Um, I mean, he occupied a wing and was incredible. Like, there's no way he's not in their best 22. Um, and he played really, really well. So, um, Who would have been on that, that wing? I have no idea. I, I think they're just waffle. It's a bit I, like, scary. Taylor Dre and Ed Richards are the ones that sort of got like little knocks. And Oscar Baker didn't replace either of those two lads. He had 85% tog. <laughs> like, he, he's easily their best 22. He's fine. Um, and absolute lock to put on your midfield bench. Now, is he better as an M eight? Like, you know, benching like Will no, Phillips. No, nah. could you? No, could you? We could, just spoke about no benching. We just spoke them, about though. how. Yeah, I heard you. We just spoke about how bad a wing role is. Um, I think just because he scored well against North Melbourne in a ten goal win doesn't mean True. a wing role is suddenly lucrative. And I think Phillips will get enough CBAs to just tick into the seventies as like a baseline. He's going to get around seventy most weeks. That's a lot. Okay. Fair enough. Around 70. Around 70. I'm not sorry for interrupting. Exactly 70 or 70 plus. Continue. 
Thank you. Um, Liam Jones, 101, was very, very good with 11 marks in defense. In his return, 92% time on ground. I think he's so, so, so easy to lock into your defense. Um, I know a lot of people aren't running this slot at the moment, um, and to, to you I ask how, um, but really 19 disposals. He's not going to average 100. He's, he might not even average 80 or 75 even. Um, but he's going to pepper that 70 mark and make his money um, quite comfortably, I think. There were nine players from his team that scored higher than him in Supercoach. That's <laughs> crazy, isn't it? On a, on a ton. On a ton, yeah. That's that's insane. Um, but look, it was almost a perfect storm right, for him playing North Melbourne. Um, Zerha got injured. Um, you know, there were... It's, but it's, the thing is, it's going to happen, right? Like, he's a really good read of the ball. He's going to take intercept marks. The whole reason why you're picking him at an inflated price is because of the spike game, not because of, I guess, the, the average. I don't think he's a guy that's going to just get 60 every week. Like, he's going to have a 30, but he's also going to have a 100. Um, and he's going to make us 150K. So I like the selection. Mm, no, I definitely do as well. Um Next, we got Crozier, who did get a, a, um, a dislocated finger, which took his time on ground to 53%. In that time on ground, he said he had 79 supercoach points, 13 touches, six marks, two tackles. Now, we found out via the intra club that he was in the defense's best 22, their, their 18 that they were rolling out. Um, and it showed here today, they, they obviously, they rate him in their best 22 and he performed like it. I actually think he's better than Liam Jones in terms of scoring potential. Um, I, I just think he might have some job security issues if he's like really bad because he's he's been in and out of the side for about 18 months now. But I'm pretty confident that Crozier is also an excellent pick. And if you can get two of these guys, I would get these two. Um, if you can only get one of these guys, I would probably go with the job security safety of Liam Jones. Okay thoughts yeah no <laughs> processing it i think uh that seems reasonable <laughs> i mean okay, look i i you. wanted to see crozier take a kick in because he took some in the intra club but there just weren't that many kick-ins available and he didn't take any of them um so maybe that brings him down i think if he's closest to it he can still take one or two kick-ins a game um which is is what it is neither here nor there yeah it's, it's also scary playing picking a guy who's He's not fringe, but he's certainly not far from being fringe um, in a, in a Bevo team where the magnets just get you know thrown mm. around everywhere. I mean, Sam Darcy is the same price as well. How do you compare him as well? Um, not well. Not well. Yeah. <laughs> well, Darcy's a forward. Um, he's going to play forward predominantly, and he's going to rely on goals, which I think you can get spike scores. But essentially, then you're looking at like, why don't we start Oscar Allen for cheaper if they're the same type of player? Um, because you don't want to start those types of really tall, clunky forwards who need a bag of goals. What about Arthur Jones? Um, rookie price, 120. Mm, he was game. good. But yeah, 17 touches. Um, what is that, Arthur? Did I misread there? No, nine touches for Arthur, but two goals. Um, yeah, he was crafty. He was good. Um, I, I think if you're talking about best 22, um, <laughs> he's much more difficult. And if you're talking about potential sub candidates, he puts his hand up like immediately. I think he's that type of yeah, player. Yeah, as a forward, it's it's tough. I agree. I think he's a big sub risk, but he was in the best twenty-two in the the last week's match. Sim, and now he's still there, yep. which makes me think he 
if you take into account the pre-comments, I don't know how much weight you can put onto it, that Baker wasn't going to play, then maybe it leans to Arthur Jones being best 22, you know, ahead of somebody like Baker. And maybe that's good for his job security and we're overlooking him as a, a rookie option. But as it stands, um, I mean, with how well Baker played, I don't know how he's not best 22 now. And um, Arthur Jones probably does just chip away and I still too feel too scared to to pick somebody who I think is likely to be the sub and could lose all the cash they make in any given week. The last guy who I want to talk about, you might want to talk about Josh Bruce, but I don't. Um, Toby McLean, 45 super coach, 15 disposals, five marks, one behind. He, in 85% Simon Garrett, was deplorable. Um, he's lost his spot in my team. And you talk about someone who's a sub-risk, I think he he's actually more so a sub-risk because um, he also has the experience to come in, play a role, go either midfield, mid-forward, forward, wing, um, pretty much anywhere on the on the field. So um, I actually think he represents him as, as a bigger sub-risk than anyone. Yeah, they showed last year there were stats, and sorry I don't have them on me, that the sub was more typically used for uh, like mature players rather than the rookies, rookies. I think. Yeah. Um, and he would fit the mold of someone being the sub then as the mature, I guess, game-changing X-Factor type guy that can play a variety of roles. So I think that's it for me. JB, before we jump into North Melbourne, I just want to say very quickly, um, Bailey Smith, whilst getting the good midfield rotations, and it's still same thing applies with judging each one based on getting the same amount of midfield rotations, his time on ground was lower than what it's been in the past, only 82%, where he usually pushes in the 90s because he's a workhorse doesn't come off the field. Um, so he probably, for those looking for that breakout contender in that five, you know, 40 K range, um, he was on my list, but I think I'm taking him and him off for now. I just needed to see him kind of a little bit ahead of the other guys to have a bit more upside. Yeah, I tend to agree. That's fair enough for me. Um, Let's jump into North Melbourne and uh, we'll quickly fly through a few of these <laughs> There's guys. so many relevant players in North as well. I know. I know. <laughs> oh, my God. This, this is one of our longest podcasts of all time. It's right up there. <sighs> okay. Um, and I'm doing it in we'll like 38 with... degree heat. <laughs> Oh my well, God. My, my, my office started in nice, cool 19 degree heat, but it's, it's only gotten hotter since. Um, <laughs> since all right, we spoke so we'll about Josh with, Kelly. <laughs> yeah, essentially from that point onwards. Um <laughs> Jack Zebel, 86 super coach, 58 dream team. He always has a good ratio um, just due to his the nature in which he, he hunts the football and gets the contested marks or the, the tackles or the pressure acts. Um, he had 15 disposals, two marks, which is surprisingly low, um, three tackles, two contested possessions, 80% um, efficiency, 80% tog. He is back in that halfback role. Um, not in a sense of he's an absolute pig and they sort of chip around and, and go to him at all costs, but still is the player who sort of runs behind his teammate and is the preferred deliverer um, from what I saw um, several times out of defense. And I think just the fact that Clarko does sort of favor an old head in defense, you look at the Luke Hodges and at, at Luke Hodges and Grant Burgess. Um, essentially, I think he does like a carrier that like that, that is a little bit older to come out of defence. And Zebul, considering what he did a couple of years ago, has shown that he is capable of doing that role. Um, it just won't be as much of a, the chip chip style that gets him the points. It'll be more of the natural style that that sort of sees him score well. Um, so, what do you see from Zebul? Because I don't think there's a, a 
chance in hell that he becomes a premium. But I also think he quite easily makes close to the money that he needs. Yeah, so I I didn't watch the game, so I don't have too much to comment from the eye test wise. I just can go off the last week and also the match, the the intra club which I sat through, North Melbourne versus North Melbourne. Um, he didn't like whilst the role was similar to the one two years ago down back. Um, he really did look like he was two years older than when he had the role. Like he wasn't as I guess explosive. Um, I just feel like it's slightly different. And he won't be getting as much ball. And I know he averaged like you know 100, 100 plus back then. And now he's two years older. I don't know. I think there's still significant injury risk. I think it's in that same basket as Fife, where he probably makes you that 150K. I don't think he's going to go exceed it by much. And you just tick it off and you say, yeah, okay. He did what he had to do when you... You get rid of him. I like that he's got the last buy. If you did want to hold him there, I think potentially you could hold him and just like keep a spot free for an incoming forward DPP, whether that's like go on Petrarca, Collingwood player, whatever it might be. And that could be a, an easy way to get there through somebody like him. So that's a benefit, but it's just a bit too old, too slow um, for me. It's not a sexy pick by any means. <laughs> No, not a sexy pick, um, but I, I think will be a good pick regardless for those who do choose to go there with that price point, who are, which I think is um, is quite attractive to people. Um, ben Cunnington, 79 super coach, um, 27 disposals, three marks, no tackles, which is surprising. Um, 16 of his disposals wow. were uh, contested, which is crazy. He got nine clearances. Um, his disposal efficiency was 74%, which isn't too bad. His tog was 80%, which you likely won't see it go much higher, um, yet he only scored 79 Supercoach points, which considering he had um, a few clangers and some low tog, you'd, you'd think maybe his Dream Team was higher. Um, he actually outscored his Dream Team by 10 still. Um, he had 69 Dream Team, 79 Supercoach. Not ideal at all. Um, I am really have really cooled down on this pick just because I, you kind of remember how handball heavy he was. Um, and if he's not getting his four or five tackles a game, I think that that's floor really falls out underneath him due to the fact that he's just such a handball machine. I think I think I called a little, but not for the same reasons as you. Um, I, I he was in my team, um, but I just I guess forgot what happens when North Melbourne get absolutely flogged. And I mean. As I said, I watched them in the match, in the the intra club, and they weren't hitting targets. And then I'm like, oh boy, you know, what are we, what are they doing coming into the season? And I'm not surprised they got badly beaten. And to be honest, they're going to lose games this year by more than this, and it's going to happen more than once. And in those games, it just sucks the super coach pie completely, you know, in favor of their opposition, and it just means all these super coach scores on the North Melbourne side, pretty much all of them, are, are very low. And it kills you as an option. And his role is good. Um, he got plenty of midfield. If people were concerned about that, um, don't be. He, I think he had 27 CBAs, yep. So he was essentially a full-time midfielder, a tiny bit forward, but full-time midfielder. He's incredibly good at getting the first handball out, like the shovel handball. I think he might be one of the best in the AFL at that specific thing. Um, but he's just slow, right? Like he doesn't spread well. He doesn't get many, um, you know, marks. Um, he's just gets those handballs and clearances and that's how he gets all of his points. So I would ex still expect him to average around 90. And I think he's, 
he's not going to make you 150k, but he's also going to score decent points. If so, if you're picking him for the purpose of keeping him at f6 and trading him to intruder that might come in with the dpp and still score you know 90s along the way i think he can perform that role if that's why you're selecting him and that's fine but if you're selecting him to make money and then trade him i mean he will still make some money he's just not going to make the, the full 150k so neither here nor yeah, there I, yeah i think that's the problem is he, he sort of doesn't tick either box yeah. um, emphatically at all um, Sheezel72, we spoke about him already. Uh, I think we both like the pick a lot. Um, LDU55. Um, I like that now, he gets rotated when he doesn't get the ball. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, I agree. That's I really agree. cool. Um, Davies Uniac, 55. He had the 18 touches, four marks, two tackles, a goal. Um, really low game from him. 90% tog as well. Um, he had everything set up, but obviously they're gonna, they, they got smoked. I think this is enough to say that he might just be too risky to start as well, just due to the fact that we don't expect North Melbourne to be good this year. Um, we don't expect them to be awful, like worst team in the league, but they're in the conversation. Well, I it, think it's, for that they might of, be. <laughs> I think I would I'd that, say they're close okay. to it. <laughs> I, I expect them to be a little bit steadier because of the Clarko effect, but um, you're right. There's every chance they're just flat bottom of the league um, and, and getting that number one pick again. So um, I think that's enough for me to rule out Davies Junior. He was in my... First team picker, and I had him the entire preseason until this game. And it, I mean, look, if I look at it purely from like a, I guess, data perspective, I look at the time on ground and I say, yep, uptick. That's a breakout. When you're selecting your breakout candidates, you want someone that's increasing their time on ground. He's been doing that, that's a tick. Then you have um, the amount of CBA season compared to the previous season. He was nearly in 100% of the CBAs. Like, he's the main man. At North Melbourne, the role is perfect for a midfielder that you would want. So that's a tick. So he's got the role as a breakout contender tick. You've got the time on ground as a breakout contender tick. The only thing that's not a tick here, and it's definitely not skill because that one we know is a, a tick, it's just that North Melbourne can get absolutely smashed and be left with 1,300 points in their super coach pie. That's such a little amount of points, JB. Like it just sucks the absolute soul out of the selection. I would have been... If North Melbourne were like a, even like a 14th best side, I probably would still select LDU because he has all of the things that I'm looking for in a breakout contender. It's just they're really bad. And I, 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 I almost, when I redid my team after this weekend, I removed every single North Melbourne player. <laughs> like I'm just like, nah, I'm out. It's, it's too much. <laughs> you just completely opted out of the entire side now. Yeah. Um, well, it, look, it's definitely concerning. I, I think they still do have obviously value there, and even in the flogging, um, they have a couple of players still putting up points, which they will do as well from week to week. Um, now, Josh Gota is probably the next one. Um, played a little bit of everywhere, mostly defense. Forty-six super coach points, twelve touches. I think we can rule him completely out as well. Um, and that essentially, Will Phillips as well. Sorry, forty-eight super coach points, seventeen touches. Um, a mark and two tackles. I, I think what this has done um, for, for Will Phillips owners is sort of emphasize that you might want to try and push him to M9 if possible, but you definitely shouldn't go without him. Yeah, I think he's, the role is what's important, as you said, and the four clangers, um, it's not great. I mean, he had 24 CBA, so he was the third most for North Melbourne, um, more than Simkin. So he, the role is exactly what you want to see, um, and that's more important as, this, as a rookie selection. Um, than anything else. The, the Clangers kept his score down. 35% disposal efficiency is terrible. Um, but he'll have 
he'll make his money. What, what about Charlie Combin as a, as a rookie option? 123k rookie JB. Yeah, well, he scored negative three, which is um, <laughs> the main issue for me. He gave away five free kicks, kicked the behind. Um, he had 17 meters gained for, with his six game. disposals. Um, yeah, no, we can't start him. He's just a bit too raw. Like he actually will have games where he scores less than thirty percent so points in a game. It's so. crazy because CCJ got injured, right? So he's out. So Combin kind of has to play. Like they don't have yeah. another. But he's just he just doesn't have that scoring potential to to select confidently. And it kills like so. Sherry, I guess people may have been looking at him as you know, I guess as a number one ruck with no other ruck in the team. But now because Combin's been so dodgy um it means like goldie might make his way back in the side and then once he's in you know he's yep. rucking anyway because he's such a good ruck so he's somehow destroyed multiple picks by his performance <laughs> nice you love to see it um all right we're going to move on to the next game now the final game of the round oh my god thank you so much for bearing with us to this point um now this is going to be a bit short and sharp because i don't have a lot of players that i want to discuss in depth here um, I'm going to start with Richmond and I'm going to say Taranto for 500k is an absolute lock. Um, he started this game butchering a little bit and the I told you so's with his 15 point first quarter came out big time. Uh, and then he went about 110 for the rest of the match and scored 124 points. He's the easiest, one of the easiest picks we've ever had in this game. Do not overthink Tim Taranto, please. You, any concern um, that he scored well once Prestia went off? No, none. Absolutely none. Purely circumstantial. He hit more targets after Prestia yeah. than what he did with Prestia yeah. on, and that's it. That's all it is. Yeah. Um, he was still finding the footy with Prestia and the team, like easy. Um, Jacob Hopper, another one, 93. You just don't need to see anything else from him. Um, he had a lot of clearances, a lot of contested possessions, colour tackles. Um, he is going to do the things that you want your players to do. He's going to make the money. He's the easiest pick in the 300K category in the game. So just don't overthink it and put Jacob Hopper in your team. Yeah, I, I watched this one today and they, they ticked the boxes that I needed to see. I mean, Hopper's a bit slower than probably what you would imagine, but he doesn't need to be super fast because he gets not, his hands on it first and he handballs it out. Yep. That's it. Yep. Um, so that's going to be Richmond done for me. Um, Melbourne, on the other hand, I don't know what I was watching in this game. Um, I'm going to start. I'm going to start from the bottom. Judd McVee, um, who is being touted to be getting the Salem role, had 81% tog for a score of 23. I think mm-hmm. we can quite safely. Do you know who's going to get that. the Salem role? Is it not Judd McVee? No, it's Salem. When he's back for round one. Oh, do you think he's, he'll be I back? Think so. I he's in it, full I training, he was... so I mean, he might not. He okay, might not yeah, play round one, but he's well, going to be there. I was there. just going to say. I was just going to say, if Judd McVie does play round one, he's likely out round two. So, yep. you know, similar, similar time <laughs> Um Beyond that, Angus Brayshaw scored 77. I think we can quite simply start the year without him if you were fancy on him. Um, Brody Grundy scoring 80 with three goals is quite damning. Now, I watched this game. He was very good, Brody Grundy. He looked he looked like he wanted every disposal out of the midfield. He, he spread the ground well. Um, he kicked goals on his opponent, and he scored eighty. Yeah, it was. It was I think it just goes to show that right? it's just it just goes to show that the fifty fifty split is just going to make it so difficult for either guy to score incredibly well consistently. Um, I know we're going to get up to Max Gorn eventually, yep. but um, I think safely we can say Brody Grundy is not the one. If you were going to go risky here, I don't think Grundy is the one that you take the pick on. 
I don't think so. I mean, things change throughout the season and, you know, maybe they start to rest Gorn more and he gets more time on ground. And by that stage, he might be a forward intruder and maybe he's an option then. But to start the year, he just, mm. he played so well. And then I saw his score. I'm like, ah, that doesn't, that doesn't sound right, but it is what it is. I think 11 hitouts, they split hitouts 11 to 12 um, and Toby Nankivis had 24. So he he out hit out them combined, Toby. Um, so I think that's going to be an issue is them rotating through that midfield so often. Um, I just don't think they're going to get a real crack at like dominating the hitouts. Usually with these players, Gorn and Grundy, you get you know 10 disposals from Grundy, three goals and 35 hitouts. And all of a sudden it's a, it's a very juicy ton. Um, I just don't think I think that that's just an underrated part of the game which is now just heavily capped I think due to the fact that they're splitting 50-50 the difference between Gorn and Grundy is the marking ability um, I think Grundy has never really been a super strong overhead mark and Gorn's yep. been really good at it and that makes a massive difference in super coach points just because of how much a you know, contested mark is worth so for me you know Gorn He's not a not a starting option because he's overpriced, but at some stage we might be able to pick him up because I think he can still score well because he's really good at marking well. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Whether behind the ball, intercept marking, or whether it's forward of the ball marking to kick goals, but I just don't think Grundy has that in his back pocket. Well, Gorn had 153. Might as well talk about him. He had 17 disposals with eight marks, three tackles, 12 hitouts, three goals, two. It's a big game. Um, very, 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 very good game. But the thing is, these games are going to interchange, and there are going to be weeks where Gorn scores 80, and his starting price is just way too much when you know for a fact there's going to be 80s that trickle through and it's just going to kill his price and players if they do want to jump on um, and if he becomes a forward intruder and they do want to jump on then they will be able to get him for close to 70k cheaper yeah no I'm with you on that one total agreement Um, okay so who else do we want to tick off here what did you see from Clayton Oliver's role so 
This one was interesting. I so I I watched the game today. So I was reading the chat at the time about Clayton Oliver off the halfback. So I kind of had in my mind what I thought that was going to look like, and then it wasn't quite what the same as what I visualized. Um, it wasn't as bad as what I had visualized in my head, uh, to put it bluntly. But um, essentially, those that didn't watch the game, there was some uh, bounces and um, some CBAs in which Oliver was lined up at the halfback flank. Um, it looked like something they had trialed and practiced to do a rotation in the Collingwood mould, which they had mentioned before earlier in the preseason. People gave me crap about when I was like, that sounds familiar. Um, and they were rotating him um, with a dedicated, I guess, defender slash um, midfielder, kind of like what Collingwood does with Pendlebury and Dacos. And Oliver kind of sucked off the halfback flank. And you know what happened when he sucked? They just put him back in the midfield. Um, yep. And I was thinking, oh, you know, that's a concern. But the thing is, like, if you're not good at it, like, what's the point? He's, like, the best centre in the game. And I think over the course of the season, maybe they trial it early and give him a couple more times to kind of shine at halfback. I don't see that happening because he did not – he didn't seem to know what to do with himself sometimes. He, went, he, he kept running really wide. Like, I'm like, where are you going? <laughs> um, and then demanding the ball. But then, like, people like Sparrow would be, like, on the inner side of the wing and he'd be, like, on the on the outer and they would just pass it to the inner guy. They'd look Looking to get frustrated. Um, from, from my perspective, it might impact his value to start the season, but it doesn't impact him as a, an upgrade target for me because, one, I'll be able to get him cheaper. And, two, I don't see it lasting a whole season. Um, I think it's a bit of an experiment and they'll they'll end up with their best player in the midfield at the end of the day. So that's kind of where I stand on it. Well, it does sound like we've got a guy who is priced at 700K who could potentially score 105 instead of 130 just because they do a little bit too much experimentation and he gets stuck on halfback for a, a bit too long, that type of vibe. Yeah. Um, and when you're splitting hairs at that price range, I think it's enough to say, I might prefer Laird, Bond, or some other guy, but um, essentially it's not the type of information where you go, oh my God, we absolutely cannot start Clayton no, Oliver anymore. He'll be a top top um, five player in the game. Easily. In the game, yeah, not just easily. the line. So you can lock him away and not have to think about it for the whole season. Um, I, I think that's going to do me. I know they've got, they've got Petrarca who played all right as yeah, well. Yeah, let's talk about um, Petrarca. <laughs> well, he kind of just, he kind of splits time still between midfield and forward he's the type of guy who even last year where they started undefeated for the first like two months um he was still able to be get picked up at, at 480k at some point so um i just think he absolutely has the ability to be cheap every single season um and it, it, we always start the year going oh remember when he had that niggle last year and he got cheap and now he looks incredible this preseason and you know maybe he's justified he just doesn't he just always there's always something with Petrarca that gets into a really affordable price um, and I don't see why this year would be different and if it's not he, he's priced adequately and we pick him up around his buy for that. I think the exciting thing for me about Petrarca is given the amount of people that Melbourne were willing to run through the middle I mean like Harms was their leading CBA mid and then they had like Kasaya Pickett on nearly just two less CBAs than Petrarca and Sparrow three less than Petrarca um, it makes me feel like if they're trialing stuff early you know, Petrarca is a good chance of getting DPP and becoming a forward. Um, and that would be a massive inclusion into our forward line. Like he becomes an instant must get. 
like their their yeah. run as well from from rounds I think four to ten is really good. And if he if he's going to get DPP in that range, and he's somebody who's essentially been a flat track bully in the past, he's going to become like a must have at that round. So yeah, definitely interesting things to think about when when starting your starting team structure. Well, I think that'll finally do us. Yeah, I don't think we need to talk about Bowie or Pickett. I mean, it's... No, no, just don't even mention them. Um, Essentially, next week, we're going to be doing a Slack Q&A, which will be broadcast as a a normal podcast, obviously. We'll we'll be putting that out hopefully next week, where the Slack, um, the people that are in our Patreon in Slack are going to drive the questions and we're going to try and answer them as best we can. Hopefully, that one takes less than two and a half hours. Um, I can only assume it will but if you have listened to this point thanks very much for tuning in um, you can find Pistol at Pistol underscore DRIC myself at JB underscore DRIC and Chizo at Chizo with a Z at um, well, underscore DRIC and then the main page Dr underscore SC which recently clicked over 10,000 likes so again thank you for that um, we will be putting out a couple of YouTube videos between now and the start of the season so make sure you follow us over there on YouTube as well. Um, Pistol, do you have any closing statements? We're going to talk about Tyler Young. 